I realized that my Levin is the kind of couple that would get engaged while still in high school, and I don't think I can ship it anymore. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Also Also. We are your hosts, Lainey and Mara. Hi. And today's episode is going to be on Stranger Things 4, Volume 2. Now, a little precursor to this episode. We will only be discussing the two parts of Volume 2. They're called chapters, chapters, my girl. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the word. The two chapters of Volume 2. We are saving all theories and questions we have for a second part of this. I wouldn't say all questions because there are some questions that I definitely feel like I can talk about and would like to point out while talking about the episodes that don't really give into theories or anything. They're just like, okay. what the fuck questions? We will save big questions <laughs> and theories for next week's episode. Um, so be expecting that. Uh, but this is really just us talking about how we feel about the season and everything that happened because honestly, we lost a lot this chapter. Basically, this volume. This I don't volume, know anything anymore. This volume. Basically. It's just probably going to be one big sob fest. Guys, I need you to know. <laughs> no. I did not intentionally do this. I needed my hair cut. My mother cut it into a wolf cut. But I have curly hair and bangs. And somehow, incidentally, I have become Eddie Munson. I have Eddie Munson's hair. It is the exact same haircut. Like, I looked at her when she got up from the chair and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Which she, was she so... Looked- exciting at the time because it happened before we watched volume two. Oh my god and it was then, like the next day we watched volume two and he died tomorrow i was like are you fucking kidding me and so now i'm i look in the mirror and i cry every time because i don't know how to handle looking i feel like at you it. have to post a picture of your hair now if you want to see my hair let me know i don't want to see it anymore except that i really <laughs> like it like it's it a looks lot. really good it is so much easier to manage and also i feel like i can leave it a little messy and i don't have to worry about the curls being as perfect anymore and which is nice mm-hmm. i i was rocking day five hair down the other day that never happens never also we just finished watching max and eddie die oh yeah mara was like so, hold on let's get really into this and made us watch first of all my favorite scene ever from season four which is eddie's intro eddie's intro when he does the i'm gonna graduate i'm gonna flip principal whatever the bird bird. like because he goes straight into musical theater and it's great but then then she wanted to watch dear billy like max at the graveyard with the letter running up and then we watched max and eddie die i don't know why i do this to myself it was horrible i mean i know why it's because i'm depressed it's because you're depressed yeah Hashtag mental illness. I thought you said your medicine was working. (laughs) It is. Wait, there's no cure for depression. I forgot. Fact. And also, people dying has nothing against my, or has nothing on my, 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 what? What? My medicine has nothing on people dying. (laughs) Well, that's probably a good thing. But characters? Flat out, my doctor told me that I probably cry too much, and that's a real thing, apparently. And then... Um, so when we first watched this, I, oh, oh guys, Mm-mm. I was a mess. I was like on the floor, like reaching for the TV, wailing. <laughs> I should probably apologize to my neighbors, like leave a formal apology. 
I it was bad. And then and then the next time we watched it, um, I cried, but not as hard, which then made me feel like I was already desensitized and didn't care as much, which is a horrible feeling for me. And I mentioned this and Lainey said, well, you probably cried too much the first time. <laughs> you cried a normal amount the second time. That's not a thing, but I don't know. I think I just fixed it by crying so much. Wait, 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 wait. I have a question for you. What? Sorry. I am off in my head. I went to Walmart today. Do you, did you buy the Dustin pop-up from the season? No. They have one at Walmart. But anyway. Okay, so I have to go to Walmart tomorrow yeah, we morning? Yeah, wa- we have to get Dustin for you. I was going to buy it, but then I was like, I don't want to buy it, and she already has it, because I never return. I have I spent over $100 on different swimsuits to figure out which one I liked most this year, and I haven't returned a single one. I've only kept one. Bruh, I bought a well, pair of American Eagle jeans, and I didn't return them, even though they don't fit. I think they might fit you. They're too mm. small on me, so they might fit you. Well, I'll try them on. And they're kind of baggy in the knees like Max's are in the show. I'll try them on. Sounds good. Okay. We'll Feels do that good. after this. Um. Sorry, guys. We're also <laughs> sisters, so, you know, <laughs> this is what we do. We derail. Well, Mara, you did the the notes, the show notes for this, so, so you take the lead. The way... This is going to be difficult, because <laughs> the way I did the notes for this season, for this volume... We were watching the show and I just like every time a new scene popped up, I like typed what was happening or like important lines. Uh, eventually it derailed into my thoughts and feelings. Yeah, and I noticed while trying to read it. So, And I still have some in the separate notes app. So, I mean, Same. we got shit. To Hell, do. I just created one right before we got in here. I did, no, right. You didn't create a whole new note. You no, just like wrote on, like, it in the same note. Notes, yeah. I was really worried because you were the kind of person that like has a gazillion <laughs> and one so different alarms. Notes. Yeah, I set three alarms at least. Why? Each day. Why do you do that? Because I know that if I don't wake up to the first one, I will most likely wake up to the second one. If I still fail on that, I will wake up to the third. But I also know that if I wake up to the first one, I either get up and get ready or I leave myself enough time to lay in bed or I do what I do every day anyway and just sleep five more minutes with the next alarm going off and then I'll sleep again another five minutes till the last alarm goes off. See, I don't get that logic because... It's not logical. I didn't say it was, but all, it's a habit and now I have to do it. First of all, there ain't no way in hell I'm not waking up to Here's the first the alarm. I, if I don't set three alarms in my mind if i only set one or even if i only set two i will not wake up to it i will be late for work and i will get fired and then i can't pay my bills okay see i'm the person who sets one alarm i know because there's no way in hell i'm not waking up to that one singular alarm well (laughs) yes (laughs) no you go no you go no i don't want to talk anymore (laughs) okay let's move on anyway dude no hold on i have to get this out because i'm still mad about how long your freaking alarm went off this morning oh my gosh okay i am sorry about that one ever and i was like is that your alarm you yeah give me a minute (laughs) i had to like it was across the room i had to put my socks back on (laughs) our air conditioning broke guys so we had to go stay in a hotel last night and it wasn't like the best hotel in the world and because you know we're broke and also they wouldn't let me bring my cat and it was really depressing when they say pets aloud they mean dogs they don't mean cats anyway can we just talk about how everybody was convinced that music was going to play such a big (laughs) role in this volume because it did in the first volume with max's favorite song and everything and everyone was sitting oh i figured you'd finish your thought no, everyone was sitting here trying to figure out like like what 
Nancy's favorite song is or like they were like oh Steve's gonna sing the song from Risky Business or that's the song that Eddie's gonna be playing in the upside down or like Robin's gonna know what her favorite song is because she looked at the cassettes in her room because that was like you know the gun in the first act and just like but then nothing ever came of it like we didn't need to know anything about Nancy's favorite song and I'm just kind of annoyed I'm kind of annoyed with the fact that music wasn't as big of a thing in this volume it seemed other than Eddie playing the guitar on top of the thing. But but even that was just a distraction was for a the Democrats. Yeah. It had nothing to do with like trying to save anybody. It was just a distraction. And I was just sitting there like, what happened? You know what else is a distraction to me? What? Okay, so I know I defended the Russian plot line in season or in volume one. The it yeah, volume sure. two <laughs> ended and I was like, oh, so there there was no but you made me out to be a fool. Yeah, because like, there I was am literally no point. A full clown costume right now. Yeah, because there was literally no point. There was no point. Um, other than the fact that they were just, I feel like, I think you and Jelena said this last night, that like they were trying to just wrap up the Russian storyline from season three. I would have rather seen Hopper break out as early as he had in the volume one. Yeah, and, and stay out. And then actually out. stay out and get home. Like, because I understand that they wanted to do like this whole Russians had part of the upside down thing, but... I think it was pointless. It was pointless. I hate the scene where they are in the prison right afterward and she's Hop- Joyce is telling Hopper that they had a funeral and all this stuff. First of all, Joyce to me, like she doesn't sound like Joyce in those scenes. I agree. And every line she delivers is very like spaced. Yeah. And I feel that was more of a direction thing. Oh, like it's coming at directors. No, now. I'm not coming at directors. I feel like it was more like a we need this to be as emotionally charged as possible and I think that when you force that kind of emotion, it doesn't work. I take great issue with the fact that they had that demodog strapped down like that and it was like cut open. Oh yeah, that was fucking um, rough. I love the demodogs. I'm not going to lie to y'all. <laughs> anyway, um and then the 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 mind flares. They have the mind flare. But they call it particles. They call it particles, which is lazy considering that in the upside down they have all these floating particles. That's what I thought they meant. Why would okay. you not call it like the shadow monster which is what they called it in season two i spent the entire time joyce kept going oh the particles the particles the particles and i was sitting there going were there particles floating in the air in that scene i don't remember that but maybe there were and i was just sidetracked by you know the weird aquarium going on and then they get there and like they get back to the prison when they go back and she's like but what about the particles ask him what happened about the particles and then suddenly i went she talking about the mind flare. I knew she was talking about What's the mind particles when she was talking about the particles because there were no I did particles not. where they were. See, but I didn't re- remember that. <laughs> and I was just like, why would it doesn't even look like particles? Like it looks like a shadow or like smoke or mist or something. It, it's like a black mass that has no real mass to it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it just yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fact that she's calling it particles really eps with my brain. <laughs> Um, I, Mara made a note in here. Okay. So when they're reviving Eleven from Nina. Okay. I have to explain why I made this note. So I made the note, someone paint her nails. She needs it. And it's because there's one of the nurses or doctors or whatever is like holding the air mask on her mouth, on her face and her nails are painted. But I thought it was Eleven's hand trying to pull it off. Turns out it wasn't. But then I was just like, Ugh. This girl has never had her nails painted. Someone fixes. She'd probably love that. I feel like they never had her nails painted because 
I don't think we ever see Joyce's painted. Joyce isn't the kind of person that does that. So it, it wouldn't make sense for Eleven to. No, I don't think so either. But like she read all those magazines with Max and... Yeah, but Max never I'm has sure her nails painted. No, but I'm sure Nancy probably did at some point. I'm sure she's seen it on TV and she saw other girls in high school doing it. And so, I don't know. I just figured she'd be like, who's really good at art? My brother Will. Let me ask him to paint my nails. Um, Mara, I don't think she knew Will's name until <laughs> they were at Rinkamania. I know, but I meant... <laughs> and then she was okay. straight up fighting with him. Okay. These two fighting over a boy. That reminds me when they re jump it ahead a little bit, but when they reunite in the desert, her and Will have like this emotional moment where they're like, oh my gosh, and they hug each other, which is like super cute. And I love it because I always wanted Will and Elle to get along and have like this really close relationship. But like up until um, this season, we never saw them interact like literally ever almost. And then they were kind of didn't seem to be on the greatest of terms like had each other's backs they were siblings you know they liked each other they loved each other yada 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 but not in the sense that was like we are closely connected because we are siblings but even siblings who have each other's backs but aren't close in like everyday life they i feel like would react that way in that kind of situation she didn't have the same reaction with jonathan you're right (laughs) she knew more coming to my next comment do you think First of all, Eleven's just gone through something so traumatic. True. But do you think Will's breakdown was a little because of how Mike was feeling and how it made Will feel and the fact that, like, maybe he felt terrible because maybe he was thinking Eleven wouldn't have made it? Oh! I don't know. I hope not. It's terrible. But, like, it's the same thing with Max. Like, she I clearly had... Like, those are thoughts people have. and why- It's an intrusive thought. It's not something that you actually want... Or, like, purposely think Purposely of. think that It's just something that your mind does to fuck with you. And, like, it would be so, I feel like, easy for us to be like, no, 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 he's too good a person. But, like, even good people have thoughts that are so selfish. Like, if she wasn't here, I could have what I wanted and what I just basically poured my heart into. And it just, it just, I wonder if maybe that's where he's oh, yeah, coming from. Let's talk about the painting reveal. Oh, let's just not. That was BS. I don't think, I don't think my, no okay I have opinions <laughs> I don't think it was I I did I don't think I had any idea of what I thought this painting was going to be I know there were a lot of like theories but I feel like mm-hmm. most of them were kind of like funny haha theories I never had the like ones a, I saw I never had a concrete thought but I never had like a oh I wonder if this is what it is or I think it's gonna be this it was always just I assume it has something to do with his feelings towards Mike mm-hmm. that was all I thought that was all I knew and obviously that's true, but I did see a really funny picture of like the four original party members, like their heads put on like Renaissance <laughs> figures in a painting and it was really messed up and it was just weird. And I showed it to Lainey and then like two days later, the volume two came out and we watched it and that's <laughs> obviously nothing like what we saw Will's painting actually being, but also kind of like it. And it was super funny. Um, I... I died of laughter, but the minute he opened that painting and then started going on about how, like, Mike is the heart, I went, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. Will's in love with Mike, and that's, I mean, like, we all knew it anyway, but, like, this is the, to me, at least, because I'm very bad at picking up on subtext, (laughs) this is, like, (laughs) the the clearest moment where it's being made. 
My so. issues with this scene are, A, I am a My Eleven shipper. B, I love Will and I do think that he is in love with Mike. C, I wouldn't have a problem if Mike and Eleven had a way of breaking up that felt organic. I would not have a problem with Mike and Will being together at all. I feel that they did use Will being in love with Mike to further Eleven like Mike to help Eleven. I don't even think it was to further my Eleven being close. It was to further Eleven being powerful and feeling comfortable in her own, which I have opinions about Eleven's whole storyline in this volume anyway. Um, Lenny has opinions. I have opinions. Okay. Um, I So I, I feel that they used his character and his love for Mike, not for him in his storyline. I agree. And that bothers me. Fully. 100%. I think that that's wasted and that you just kind of put a sour taste in everyone's mouth i also i agree that mike is the heart i okay disclaimer <laughs> oh no here we go mike wheeler is my favorite okay <laughs> and anyone if i come across one more freaking tumblr page that's just a mike wheeler hate page i'm gonna throw a fit no. i love mike and i just want people to stop it's the she's a 10 meme but it's she's a 10 but her favorite character from stranger things is mike wheeler i don't oh, care no. to me that makes me an 11 <laughs> sorry Shut i couldn't not do it i hated that <laughs> i could not that was beautiful. no mike has been my favorite since season one i love mike Lucas is also one of my favorites. He's like my second favorite. I feel bad seeing that. He's <laughs> like, I feel bad seeing that. And I clung do. to the characters that were like her. Yes. But also, I, like, I agree. In season one and two, Mike is a good friend. Mike is the heart of the group. Mike is the one that really rallies them together and is the glue for their group. Well, and then the, he just lost all of his characterization in season three. And I feel all of volume one of this season so i think it didn't make sense anymore for him right because in the first two seasons he's such like a nurturing like i'm always there for my best friend he's very loyal you know i would jump off of a cliff to save my best friend literally did that and i understand that he is a teenager now and he's in a like he's in his first quote-unquote relationship um what is it's it just making me say, think quote, of the, no unquote. it's making me think of the getting engaged in high school <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh and so like that changes his attitude a little and it's going to but i just don't think it needed i think we still needed to see those moments where he was season one mike outside of those and where he was growing and like realizing you know, getting through that kind of angsty, I'm going to be a little shithead mm-hmm. sort of situation. And he doesn't. And it's really freaking annoying to me. I just, I feel that Mike's, Mike lost all of his characters. So I feel it didn't make sense to put that there. And I also feel that his speech at the end, while I felt that it was really good and well delivered. And I cried a lot. <laughs> I think it would have hit so much better had they not done the whole painting thing and the whole will being in love with Mike and then putting l in place of his name when he's talking to mike right like that is what made it so bad right Ugh. and then jonathan knows the whole time right and he's just sitting there like how do i tell will that i'm there for him without like telling him explicitly anything that i don't want to assume and that he's not ready to tell me but also like Little baby Will, stand up for yourself. But tell me Mike Wheeler is a bad friend one more time. When in season one, literally walked off a cliff for Dustin not to have his teeth cut out by a horrible bully. 
Um, in season two, when he's the only one of the friend group who is concerned about Will, like, yeah, he misses 11, but he's always like, he's the one that walks out of the arcade to find Will. You know, he's the one that hangs out with Will and Will's like, I think Dart is from the upside down. He's the one that says, we'll go crazy together. And they hang out on Halloween when the mind flayer gets like spooks Will and stuff. He's not a bad friend. Season three, he was not a good character. And I feel like that made everyone like, he's a horrible friend. Well, and even like, I understand why they chose to do it with his character, what they did in the beginning of that season, mm-hmm. because he's still angry at Hopper mm-hmm. for hiding 11 from him. And so he's going to be a little ass to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has a girlfriend and they're at that point where it's just kind of like, this is my life right now, you know, and whatever. But they, they needed to have them move on from that. And I just don't feel like they did. I feel like one of their problems is the writing because, I mean, clearly it's the writing because they're losing their characters. But I know a lot of people have a problem with how big the group is getting and that we're not killing off major characters. We only kill like one new character each time. I think it's good to build your group. I think it's not necessary to kill your main characters. I don't hate the idea at all times. I think it really has to make sense if you do it. Part of the problem with building the group is that they are stretching themselves so thin on the writing process, I feel, that they aren't developing their characters. They're like, oh, we have this new character. Let's give everything here and we'll do everything here. And it's like they're all falling away or becoming so far. Like, I don't know or care about Jonathan anymore. I know. We know nothing about Will anymore. Will has been erased. Mike has been boiled down to everyone's least favorite person because they think he's a horrible friend and he treats everyone like shit. Dustin and Luke. Well, Lucas hardly gets any screen time. Lucas got the most screen time in volume two. And he did. Such they a good They put Caleb McLaughlin on the back burner. Not that I think that he's better than the other kids. I think they're all phenomenal. But they put him on the back burner. This whole time. When he could have. Like all these seasons. When he delivered such an amazing performance in volume oh two. I can't stand listening to him scream at the end. Especially because we just listened to it. So it's like a ringing in my ears right now. And I'm just like. The, I cannot. The immense comfortability and chemistry that he and sadie sink have so good it's so good like it they literally found a magical pair there and they were like we'll just tuck them away until the very last episode i will say it again because i've said it a million times max and lucas are the healthiest and most emotionally stable couple i have ever seen in my entire life well and he's clearly and i love them he's clearly the only person that she trusts 100 percent because she says those those most horrible things of her thoughts in front of him and she doesn't really think twice about it. And while Vecna shows him, re- like, reacting in a bad way, Lucas, when we see him, does not. No, he's trying to he's help her. He's just sad for her. It doesn't take Max long to figure out that it's Vecna and not Lucas saying those right. things. And that she knows Lucas would never because say those things. Because she trusts him. Oh, guys. Oh, no. Oh, it no, is my Lumax feelings. I'm horrible. So um, Going back to Eleven with the whole Nina project thing. Sorry, we derailed for a minute. I had one more thing to say about that. So they show her lifting the huge ass tank, right? With her powers. I get it. It's really cool that we show her doing that. Well, and it's the most control she's ever had. It's the most control she's ever had, but I, it just felt so anticlimactic. I agree. I feel like she needed to do something bigger or we needed to like settle there on that or like Brenner and Sam should have had more of a reaction. It was just like, oh, she's her powers back in. Wow. She's a little more control. Okay. Moving on. And it was like, huh? I don't think 
Season one and two to me focused on the small details and really developing your story and stuff. And I feel like right now they they race through everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I will say, I will ask this question um, just in preparation for the next episode. It's a question that I think we'll touch on more there than we will here. But I want to know how much Sam and Brenner know about Henry one Vecna, like how his powers work, how he got them Mm -hmm. because Brenner seems to know a lot about his plan to like try and come back into the world. And it's like, how do you know that if he hasn't been around, you haven't seen him. We haven't seen any inkling of him until now, you know, and Sam makes it seem like he's been there since the beginning because he's like, we knew instantly that this was his MO when we saw these killings. And it's like, Sam, how long have you been doing this? You weren't anywhere in that lab. And so I just want to know everybody else's opinion on that. Sam wasn't in that lab, but he did run that lab after Brenner and all of them were gone. So I wonder if he had access to records of it. Maybe, but I don't think it would have been enough. He didn't know about 11. Well, and he didn't technically know about one either. And so I just don't think that he would know. Yeah, he didn't know. I don't know. I I have a a lot of questions. And also, did Sam die? I miss him. Nobody, no crime. Nobody, no crime. Hashtag Taylor Swift. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, oh, Nancy's story. So we already kind of touched on it. But when they're saying fourth kill is the fourth chime. Uh-uh. Okay. Guys, this is not the end of the time shit we're seeing. That so, was just such a cop out. The fact that they spent, no pun intended, so much time on all of this time related stuff. And, like, there was, you know, the clock. I mean, there are just so many things to point out for this time travel theory. And then all the clock meant at the end was that four chimes meant four sacrifices. And he was telling them his plan all along. Which, by the way, watching it this last time, um, I suddenly wondered what, like, how did he decide, oh, if I make four sacrifices, I will be able to create a gate in each of those places. And the fourth one will make them all connect. What? How does... What? What? I know, I feel you like just control the world now? A what? lot to do with, like, science and math and, like, knowing, like, the Earth's core and how deep everything is and, like, where the breaking point would be to where if you broke it in the four places, it would... Almost like tectonic plates where everything shifts. Okay, girl. All that went right over my head. Exactly. And so I think <laughs> I, I need everything explained. It. And I'm assuming we'll probably get that in season five. But I think I just needed, like, if you were going to go ahead and tell me that that's what his plan was, I needed to know how he knew that's what his plan was this season. I'm just really. I need to know why he was obsessed with time from the time he was a small child. If I don't know. His plan now is to use four chimes and four kill. It doesn't make sense. What does the clock have to do with that? It hasn't. Why not like four crows? Again, we're not done. Bro, you could have gone so stereotypical, not stereotypical even, but just like normal birds are scarier than clocks anyway guys birds are terrifying anyway moving on um there is one point in this scene though when they're in max's house that like max is typing in the phone number and someone says well did you did you like dial the number right or whatever and i think it's dustin goes i think she knows how to use a phone (laughs) and then steve says well i didn't that's when because he had been saying dialing at first but then he says i didn't know if she had typed it in right which i don't think at that time you would have called it typing because computers weren't enough of a thing to like 
for like everybody to automatically know about typing. So I just don't know if like that would have been a common verb. What else would they have called it? Dialing or you call it punching buttons. Like you punch in a number. number. I don't think I'm not sure they would have called it typing. And I just have like, I mean, I obviously don't know. I I could Google it. It's going to take some time to Google that. But just like, I'd like to know when that kind of became more of a, like a term in Mm -hmm. like normal conversation because I just, he said it and I just, every time I've noticed it and it feels kind of out of place to me. Speaking of which, Lainey and I also just watched um, the Stranger Things D&D campaign with Joseph Quinn, Priya Ferguson, Gaten Matarazzo, and Finn Wolfhard. And at one point, Finn Wolfhard says something about an Uber. And my entire brain went, (laughs) something about this doesn't feel right. But I can't figure out why something about Finn Wolfhard talking about Ubers does not feel right. And then about 20 minutes later, I went, well, that's because I've only ever heard Finn Wolfhard talk in an 80s character and they don't have Ubers back then, so I'm really confused now. Yeah. My brain kind of went a little noodly on me there. Um, So when she's... I know it's like cut from scene to scene, but when she's punching in the number and they're at Max's house and they're making this whole plan and everything to kill Vecna, basically. <laughs> Henry slash one slash Vecna. Um, and they're going to go to the war zone, the, that store where full of white christian conservatives we can't go there without and talking about the fact that they steal this rv first oh my god i forgot that that happens first because no, that's they how they decide get there. they're gonna go to the war van well, yeah but well yeah they decide beforehand but you're trying yeah. to go to the war zone without no, talking was, about I'm, how they get to the war I'm zone i'm not trying to go to the war zone i'm just trying to point out how dumb they are oh yeah Although they do say it's worth the risk which is a theme of something that will be brought up next episode mm. anyway but no so First of all, the fact that Eddie has to run around this trailer park with the Mike <laughs> Myers mask on, it kills me. It's just so funny. And then, I mean, everybody's obsessed with it. Everybody loves the way that he, okay, first of all, the background of like how his dad is like kind of a trash person and what? I think you started with, first of all, and then started the story and then went, okay, but first of all. <laughs> That is typically how I talk. Let it happen. Anyway, <laughs> so he's talking about how his dad like taught him how to hotwire cars and how he was just like a bad person and everything. And I just went, Eddie didn't want to be like his dad. And so sad. And obviously at this time, I didn't know that he was going to die. Had I known, I would have cried even harder. Anyway, but then Robin's like, I don't like the idea of you driving us. And the best the best part of the whole season i swear best part of the whole show probably you know when he when he's like uh-uh harrington's got her i just said harrington really weirdly harrington's got her and then the don't you big boy line let's just sit with that for a minute guys because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we sure <laughs> I have a lot of feelings moving on anyway so yeah they go to the war zone and like laney said they're absolutely stupid for taking not only like letting lucas and dustin and eddie kind of be there in the vicinity anyway but why why oh why did we take erica into the actual right. store please they, just leave the poor little girl in in the rv with the others i understand i was stressed for her the entire time same i didn't care about like i was not that i didn't care about the others but i wasn't stressed for them but if mm. we're saying we can't put lucas or dustin in there 
because well nancy i guess would have the same sort of correlation that erica does but because of hellfire club they know that erica is lucas's little sister they're specifically and that looking she's part for, of it they're specifically looking for lucas the hardest other than eddie right and because they're angry at him for betraying them sticks out like a sore freaking thumb My poor and girl. she's just she's like so young still right and also, so, I mean, yes, I was stressed the most for her. I was also stressed for Nancy, but in a different way, because I was just sitting there the entire time going, why the fuck is this man mansplaining this to Nancy? She knows everything better than you do. And I really just wanted her to kind of take the butt of the gun and slam it in his face. I was really looking for that moment or for like the like cashier to just suddenly be like, no, all these people suck. You go girl. And like mm-hmm. be on Nancy's side with everything and like tell Jason to leave her alone. I really needed that moment. Right, like Jason. Been so nice. Jason, you know, ab- uh, clearly, you know, absolutely nothing. Literally and you knew nothing. nothing about Chrissy because she did not want you when she was needing help. Probably because she asked you for help when you're like, I'm busy with that. Cause you suck. Um, Oh wait, Chrissy, baby. I love, I love you. you. <laughs> oh, I Let's not forget it. that moment. That is not a high school moment. Honestly, that right out the gate showed me that Jason is the worst. Yes, it did. <laughs> but I feel really bad because Erica looks terrified the entire so time. So scared. But can you, I don't like to think about Priya Ferguson's mindset she had to be in while fem- filming it. Is it that yeah. could that be been- and is a very real scenario for people of color. Mm-hmm. And there are a few instances in this season specifically. And I know that there were with Billy as well. But this one's more mob-esque that it's just so hard to watch those two have to do it. And I'm sure that there were a lot of times their parents could not watch this season. I felt like this this specific section of the season mirrored our current political climate the most out of any of the other seasons. It really did. And it really made me uncomfy. Like, real nosh. I wanted to... I'm sorry. You mean, like I just when you said, said real that? nosh, <laughs> real nauseous. It made me want to throw up the entire time. Also, it was just kind of a weird placement to do the Robin and Vicky thing. Yeah, it was weird. It was just awkward. I don't know. It was just awkward. I. That's all I have to say about that, really. But you know, here's the okay. Here's Were you the also thing. thinking I... of it is a Bass Pro Shop? Yes, but I think of anything I don't like. And, that's, <laughs> and I not to say that Bass Pro Shop is a terrible place, but that is like that kind of climate. I'm, Bass Pro Shop, for sure. For sure. That's also one of the places I have seen people buy guns and like buy all the kind of stuff that they get there. I have bought ammo from um, there. I'd like to point out it was for my brother for Christmas present. And I did it all in once because I was a server <laughs> and I bought $50 worth of ammo with ones covered in honey mustard. It's disgusting. It was a it was a rough night. The only other time I go to Bass Pro is because we're taking our like we go with our sister and our niece and our nephew for Santa photos. Yeah. That's um. It. But to the Robin thing, I it is a weird placement. I think I love that Maya Hawk pushed for it and that they made uh Robin. I try to call her Maya again. Robin, gay. I like that they want to try and build on that storyline. I think you can't just throw in this random thing in the middle of it that doesn't make sense. And I think, unfortunately, they're partly using it to satiate people who are like, but we want Byler. We want like recognition they of want more Will's sexuality. Yeah. And I think that 
it's it's again it's like they're slapping a band-aid on something they're it, like yeah this isn't what we had i understand that they had intentions going into writing all of these seasons and they had intentions from the very beginning for how all this was going to end and the way these characters were going to go unfortunately and i don't think you have to listen to your audience but unfortunately you have to understand your audience and you can't just keep pushing them away for what you want that's not for the good of your show that's for the good of your own vanity basically not that i'm calling the duffer brothers vain because i don't know them and i don't know specifically that these are the things they're doing but they also don't address it very well or (laughs) at all that's what bothers me they seem like they're very this is what we're doing we're stuck in it and i think that you have to give a little on issues like this actually not just a little you just need to like pay attention to the voices of your audience and actually give a fuck anyway i'll get off my soapbox now you're totally cool i feel like i had something to say about this scene or something at least in conjunction with this scene and i like Like how do they know that they're in the rv when they drive away nope nope that's not it at all and i need you to give me a second (laughs) oh my gosh i remember the funny the funny the funny quote she has a a perm a gun and a dream that's what it is when you first said you couldn't remember what it was and it was funny i was like oh it's that and then i was like mara talks about she's already mentioned it today i think like there's no way she forgot it i could have saved us so much time if i just opened my fucking mouth i'm dumb okay and i honestly don't actually think that's what i was thinking of but that's what we're gonna say i was thinking of for the sake of time (laughs) so okay you know it's it's fine uh Whoa. It was all there a minute ago. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. I'll find it. Will you? Because I can't. I gotta just... Oh. Okay. So when we get to the scene, and here's the thing about this volume. These characters, I could not pinpoint who was going to die. I had my suspicions. I could not pinpoint it because they did this thing where each character said one or more lines that was like that's the line that means you're gonna die and then this one specifically was not i was like mara steve's dying and she was like no and i was like he just stated his dream and she said the same thing she was like you just said your dream you're never gonna get it okay right so here's the thing and the uh, like obviously i think most people especially us went into this volume thinking steve's the one that dies we know someone's gonna die it's gonna suck i would be so happy if no one had died but Steve is going to die. And so he like popped up on the screen. I immediately started tearing up (laughs) and (laughs) I don't cry too much or anything. And then, um, he kept having these lines. Oh, I'm staring at his little pop-up keychain. (laughs) I love him. And then he kept saying these lines that were so like, Steve, if you keep saying this, you're going to die because you only say those things. If you're going to die in a movie, please stop. And then, yeah. So in the process of Lainey and I writing our own TV show scripts and everything, one of the things they talk about is like, if you're really going to kill a character and make it hurt the way you need it to, to like further your plot or something, or just to make it important, you need to do it when they're in the middle of their arc, when they're at like right at that peak of getting what they want, when they're like announcing what they want and they're really going to go for it. And that's what Steve is doing here. We've seen him struggle the last two seasons 
with like, what do I want? I think I want this, but then like, it's not panning out the way he wants it to. And so he finally admits what he actually has always wanted. And the minute this happened, I went, oh no, no. And also was sitting there going, stop saying this to Nancy. You guys can't be together. Cause I'm, I just can't. Stonathy for the win. Stonathan. Oh, I said that wrong. But also Stonathy. I'm okay with Listen, the OT3, Monster Hunters. Yes. Um, I like that at this part, you can see that the children have infiltrated Steve's subconscious. <laughs> and he says he wants six nuggets, and there are six of them. There the are kids. six of them. <laughs> and then Nancy says something about how that sounds horrible. And he's like, well, it's not like I haven't had practice. Yeah. And it's like the clearest mention of him basically admitting that he's like an older brother father figure to these children. And not to 11 so i think much. 11 is the exception yeah probably i really just kind of i really just want a moment where someone goes okay mom or okay dad because i think it's funny yeah just something you know thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> duffers if you're out there the one thing duffers i request <laughs> is for everyone to live and for eddie to come back I will all of your wrongs to be righted. I honestly would like every character to come back. The only except like every good character to come back. The only exception. And I really, really, really hate saying it is Bob. And it's because if Bob is back, Jopper can't be a thing. And I don't think I could handle. I don't think my mom could handle that. That was (laughs) She would lose it. Oh, my God. Her gasp when they first kissed. She was like, <gasps> like, it wasn't going to happen. Well, Well, technically, it wasn't wasn't supposed to. (laughs) Um, We're not there yet. But my note is about Jopper and Bob, specifically my last one that I made right before we started. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because it's going to be sad. Oh, no. Um, anyway, uh, also in the RV, Lucas and Max are talking and he's trying to convince her. And I think he, he doesn't really push it. I think he knows she's not going to allow it, but he tries to convince her to, to let someone else do it. Yeah. And she's right. Like no one else can he hasn't picked anyone that would take too much time they don't know and she says and she says i accepted the risk like i am aware it's not fair to do that to someone who isn't um but i love the throwback when he asks if he's in her happiest memory and she says that's presumptuous of you i love the throwback that's the first thing she said to him in their first conversation in season two It's so, so sweet. I like that. I love them so much. It's not even that the writers are like, oh, this is a fun throwback. It's that the character, like they're thinking the character Max remembers that so vividly that she would say it again. Although I will say that every season so far has had kind of flashbacks to like what got them to that point in the season. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I don't think season three really had any. No. But the but the first two seasons did. And then we got to this season. And while I appreciated, like, the flashbacks, especially while Max was trying to get out of Vecna's trance of, like, rem- like looking back on her happy memories with her friends and everything like that, I also think they could have used this time to kind of build the characters' relationships a little more. Shown us scenes that, you know, ooh, I got a piece of hair on my nose, that we weren't originally given. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, you know, there wouldn't have been dialogue and it would have required, especially during they were filming during COVID, it would have required, you know, more contact and one on one time rather than being like, well, we can just use clips from the other seasons. And this is what people already know. So there's not going to have to be a lot of context around it or like subtext or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I just think that like if we had gotten more 
scenes of Max with her friends or Max with her mom or even like scenes of like they already had a young Max picked out. So why not some scenes of a young Max with her dad or something like that? You know, like I wanted I just think they could have used it as a nice character building moment for Max. And instead they were like, let's just reuse our own footage. Case in point of because it ties into Max's memories of them destroying Mike's character as the as a good friend. She only has one memory of Mike in all of her memories. And it's when he was still being mean to her and she was riding on the skateboard, but she made him laugh. That is the only memory she has. So yeah, that just another, another thing on that. Um, And then they go back to Russia and they like, they have the clothes. This is Hopper's first time smoking a cigarette since he was taken like a buddy boy the you look on his had face. to quit why could you not have just not started it back up again but also i did not like watching them undress it did not feel stranger things to me it felt very we're giving in to jopper like i felt like the kiss was fine but watching them get undressed was very not and i get why we watched him take his shirt off because it, it shows what he's been through which makes me so sick yes. i nope i don't even want to talk about it but like did we I did not need, need to see Winona Ryder in her undies. Not that Winona Ryder's not hot, but like those That's not pants, what I'm watching those this underwear show for. were not. <laughs> they look comfy. <laughs> they were granny panties. No shame on granny panties. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, I can I can live with a solid granny panty. That's pretty much the only, only underwear I'll wear anymore. I wear high waisted granny underwear. panties. <laughs> like they're comfy. Um, if you uh, wanted to know, I guess. Uh, I don't uh, like the phone system in Russia. Yeah, what the fuck is that about? Although, it makes sense because back then, like, long-distance calls would not just be available to anyone like that. Like, Oh, yeah. The 80s. Overseas calls like that. I don't know. It's weird. Um, And then we have our California, our pizza party. I keep trying to call them the California kids. Um, That's okay, too. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. You call them whatever you want to call them. <laughs> I. <laughs> okay. Argyle thinking that, that Nina, Nina is, is a, a small woman. woman. <laughs> oh, Argyle. I un- like he obviously was useful, but barely for like, his they car done that and anywhere. for the, the pizza freezer. But they could have found other ways. Argyle was clearly here for comedic relief. And I don't. I I mean, I always want more depth to a character. Mm-hmm. But also, I think Argyle is fucking hilarious, so I can't be too angry. <laughs> he is. The, the the actor does a really good job of making him a character that you end up really liking, even though he is just comedic relief. That's funny. Some people, there are quite a few people that I've seen that don't like him. They think his character is pointless and stupid, and they get really annoyed with scenes with him. character is pointless, but, but then, I think the actor did a good job at that character. Well, and it's also rough because you put him up against Jonathan, who everybody's kind of just done with right now because you're not giving him much character development. Even, like, the little bit of character development we got of him this season with him, like, deciding that he doesn't want to go to college with Nancy and everything was just kind of like low effort and we got nothing out of it at the end. Like he didn't try and actually talk to Nancy about it. What the fuck? Right. Um, but they put their comedic relief character in one of the least, actually uh, to me, the least high stakes group. Yeah. Which is not where you would want that. Also, it felt like they were trying to do the season three humor where it was always humorous. Whereas I don't remember what joke it was, but it was made 
um during like a really climactic scene but it was just like a one little moment snicker kind of thing and then it was over oh and it felt like normal stranger things it's when 11 shows up to max in max's memory Mm -hmm. and max is like are you here and are you real pinches her cheek right stuff and 11 says that she's in a pizza freezer or she's in a yeah she piggybacked from a pizza dough freezer in nevada or whatever like that's the line and she says it like it's just what's happening it's very reminiscent of when nancy and jonathan in season one go to buy all the monster hunting equipment and the guy asks what are you kids doing with all this stuff and nancy just goes monster hunting like it's just the truth but because the truth is so crazy it's funny right and it's like hiding your joke in plain sight um so i think they did argyle real dirty in that way you did everybody real dirty um but they because i skipped a pizza dough freezer when we weren't there although i think we were just talking about humor i don't know i started with argyle small woman yes um and then he sees the tire tracks which i thought he was gonna see the bunker the door right yeah and they are like oh no it's military and they like start to follow them but we see 11 Clearly, Sam was like, we decided this wasn't going to be a prison and we have our gay dad fight. And she's going to leave with Sam. And then Brenner clearly is the horrible person Brenner tends to be. Fact. And he tries to drug her and all that. He puts that collar on her, which is just unforgivable. I'm annoyed that she did not bring Collie up against him. Right. Okay. She's like saying all these things about how he's the monster and here are all the reasons. Like, can you justify any of this? And she literally doesn't say anything about the fact that they fired Collie. And I just don't stop looking that way. They fired (laughs) Collie. You will never convince me otherwise, no matter how hard you and Jolena try. Anyway, but I just like, I just wanted her to be like, like Collie just needs to be mentioned. We can't just keep forgetting her. It would have been a good way to not bring her back in, but still to mention and like normalize that 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 she's there. Yeah, that that happened. Um, But when she gets out of the bunker, well, first of all, how can Brenner still carry her? He's like much older and she's much bigger now. I have a lot of questions about how Brenner does anything. Someone pointed out that it was like how he carries her in the lab after she opens the gate and stuff like that. Um. And he does boop her nose at one point, which like always gets fact, me. I'm a nose booper, so it, it does. It tugs at my heartstrings, but well, I, Brenner does not. And I am unfortunately weak-willed and a bit of a pushover and mm-hmm. a people pleaser and also a, a very empathetic. And so like any small moment like that, I'm just immediately like, there's goodness in you. Like I see the best in everybody. I want everybody to have the best. And... I just like want to throw things and be like, Brenner, you could be a good person if you just tried. That's how I feel about Billy. Honestly, that's okay. So I spent so much of the season, like, just like Jason needs to die. Can't stand him. I want him gone. I don't want him here anymore. But then he dies. I missed it the first time because I was wailing on the floor. (laughs) Um, And I just like, I was upset that he died. Like I was just sitting there like, well, this feels crappy like i was sad that he died because now he's dead and that's so sad that he died i and i realized that i want justice i want people to get what they deserved for the things that they've done but i do not think that that automatically means that they should die (laughs) i didn't think 
I wasn't like, oh, he should die. I don't think it's right to think anyone should die save for Vecna. Well, and I never thought um, that specifically, but it was more of a, I want him gone. Right. But I think I was frustrated that like he is not going to face any repercussions watching him die though the way it happens because he's like unconscious and then he starts no, getting not. split i was just he watching wakes it up. i know oh okay that's what i'm saying. saying he was like unconscious and then when it starts like basically splitting him down the middle but like burning him he wakes up and his he last moments screaming. are agonizing for him and I that know. is horrible that's so awful and like no i don't have sympathy for him i'm just saying that's an no awful but if go. he had just been held accountable and then decided that he needed to be better than <laughs> i just want everybody to be better <laughs> i don't think we should say decided so much as he learned that he needed to right, be better learned well i mean it also comes with some decision, decision like yes. you have to decide that yes but but i don't want him to just be like well i guess i'm gonna decide to be this way so I don't no i think trouble. he needed to learn and realize that he was a crap person right the first time around and he needed to be better anyway this is not about Jason right now. Um, Nothing. So about they Jason. get out of the bunker, and then the helicopter is like going to take its shot at her. That scene was so stressful. It was. It was. It I was, was so just sitting stressful. there, like sitting on my feet. Um, I'm going, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? But when she, like, so she's spinning the helicopter. We see that like she has all this control, toy. which I feel like we could have seen her control there. It would have been more impactful to watch it there than having seen her lift the water tank earlier. Right. Like maybe we don't know if she, but obviously we would have known she has her powers back because she goes into her mind space right. to find Max and everything. But to it, like see the control and how mm-hmm. much power she suddenly has. This should have been that moment. Yes. When she brings the helicopter down. So she like brings her arms down really fast, but the helicopter's in slow motion. And I get that that's like a nice way of filming it, but I feel like we should have at some point released slow motion before it hit the ground so that it could hit the ground really hard and it didn't and it felt so off to me. Interesting. I don't know if that's how it was right. Picturing else. it in my head, I can see what you're saying. Watching it, I did not think that at all. Now, speaking of the scene and of feeling <laughs> sympathetic, empathetic, whatever it is, towards people who don't necessarily deserve it, I cried so hard when Brenner died. Because, listen, first of all, I understand that Brenner sucks. And I understand that he should not be given that sympathy or that empathy. He should not be given the words of comfort that she understands when she doesn't understand and what he and when what he did is it's not understandable mm-hmm. like he did crap things uh i the first time i watched it i felt the same as you i wanted her so badly just to be like yeah i get it the second time i watched it i was so glad that she didn't say it because what she did was that she was there for him and what were basically his final moments she held his hand and she was saying i there is part of me that cares about you and knows that you care about me, but I will never be able to say I understand. And I think that had she said it, it would have ruined a lot of the show for people. I did recognize that watching it the second time. I cried harder the second time, but watching it was when I had the clear moment of that he just like needs some comfort here. And I was like, he doesn't deserve it though. And so I kind like I get why she doesn't give it to him. I was still a little bitter because that's just unfortunately who I am as a person. However, I did understand it a little better. So the Hawkins team is preparing for battle. This scene is so post-apocalyptic. I love it. But also, I think it's the same field where she and Jonathan went for target practice in season one. 
I didn't even think about that, but I'm you're right. Sure it is. Uh, Nancy's hung off the barrel. First of all, I love that Max is like watching Nancy in awe because we never get that. Like Max doesn't seem to have any like older female role models. So, like, that's really cool. Yeah, that's true. I love that Nancy's like, I'm pretty sure it's a felony. We're going to do it anyway. Keep fucking son. You know what else is a felony? Everything that that town was doing. So, mm, let's just say. Uh, Eddie and Dustin wrestling. I know you're going to have stuff to say. So, I just want to say one thing because I know that this is your thing. I was very annoyed that we finally no 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 that's gonna come <laughs> i almost belt. came across this room no. at you I, at the beginning of the season i was thankful that we didn't just have steve and dustin like we had in the last two seasons which i thought was nice but it, like i wanted something different i was getting to the point where i was like oh my gosh are they really just putting him with a second older male role model who can be like an older brother figure to him and i was like it's just the same storyline different person but no I, in this scene, when Dustin tells his <laughs> battle joke, which is hilarious. And, yeah, Martha was funny. Um, I and died. Eddie doesn't laugh at it. He just stares at him and then he starts wrestling him and he's like, don't ever change. It's the two sides. Like Steve mentors Dustin and like tries to get him through life and tries to give him advice as like how to get the things that he wants, but he doesn't try and change him into Steve. And Eddie... Even though he thinks that d- joke is so dumb, he's like, please don't ever change. Just be you. Because Dustin is so unapologetically himself. And those two recognize it and love Dustin so much for it. And I just love that he has two of them that love him for those different, like, love him for the same reason and approach it the same, basically. But, like, one's more giving advice and one's more, I, I could be you because you are like me. You know what I mean? Mars crying. I am. I'm so sorry. They you both said, just love Dustin so much. Because you keep referring to it in the present tense as for both of them. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here's the thing. I knew it was either going to be Steve ready. I thought it was going to be Steve, but they weren't going to let Dustin keep both. Which is dumb. I wanted Eddie to be more of the mentor for Mike because Mike is the DM and he is not the leader of their group, but he they look to Mike to be the heart and stuff like that. And I feel like they missed that opportunity because they were like, let's put Mike in California. I think Mike and Elle being reunited and him giving her that speech would have been a lot more impactful had he not been with her in California. I agree. Um, A lot of people want Eddie to be Will's mentor. Wanted Eddie to be Will's mentor? No, we're going to go want. He's coming back. He's coming back. We've got theories coming up in the next episode about that, okay? Those are so loose, but I don't care. They're all loose, but I am nothing if not someone who can find any morsel of detail that can turn into a full-fledged theory. I am a (laughs) Swifty. Which may rub some people the wrong way, but here we are. It is Easter every day in the Swifty (laughs) Phantom. (laughs) But it is also like we are dressed up straight like Pennywise in this house. Yeah, we are damn clowns. (laughs) We are Boomer the Fools. The dumbest boys in school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. We also think we are funny. That's unfortunate sometimes. We think we're funny, but we know that no one else does. <laughs> we know, okay? So we there's know. self-awareness there. <laughs> there's only self-awareness in my body. I don't know what you're talking it's about. Funny. My humor with you is different than... And, like, my humor with you is the same with, like, Mom, Ragu, Lindsay, Jolena, Kenley. 
it is very different at work. People there still find me funny. Like they'll laugh at things I say, but it's more of the sarcastic kind of humor I had. Sarcastic witty rather than like just jokey fun. I think I'm a fake person outside of like my very close friends. You're not. It's I, I, it's just masking. Kenley had to explain this to me when I was having my breakdown in Nashville about <laughs> overthinking and being too self-aware. Um, yeah, my three hour talking at her pretty much. Um, but I, I, it's just because I'm the same way at work. Like I, I can recognize when I get home that I suddenly feel like I've blipped the whole day because I just like, I was not me at work. Like I was a different person at work. Mm-hmm. Basically, we could all use Eddie Munson in our life telling us to never change. That's right. all we're saying. Or also, we could just use Eddie Munson in our lives. Although, I am Eddie Munson, so. I have an Eddie Munson. She's right there. Hi. <laughs> I got an Eddie Casprack. For $50. <laughs> For $50. Oh, wait. You were, say- were you saying that I'm I Eddie Casprack? Eddie Casprack? I am. <laughs> oh, no. It ain't easy no. being wheezy. <laughs> Oh, I can't. <laughs> Ladies reference to me getting an Eddie Casper for $50 <laughs> is because I have I, I I have the entire Losers Club and Funko Pops. I don't know if that's what they're called. Pop Funkos, Funko Pop-Up Vinyls or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. Um, they sit on my bookshelf next to my bed along with my little collection of like stone turtles that are all named Maturin. This is where I'm at in my life. And um, so I got all of them for like a normal price for all pop-ups or like Lainey got me Richie for Christmas one year. And um, I couldn't find Eddie for the longest time. I went to so many like secondhand used bookstores, like record stores, you know, those like slackers and vintage stock places where you'd find those things at. I looked online. I was on eBay. I literally spent a solid like four hours like bidding over and over again on an Eddie Casper pop-up on eBay, just trying to get it. Could not find one anywhere. It finally got to the point that I became that person and I spent (laughs) $50 ordering this Eddie Casper pop-up. And then come to find out a couple of weeks ago at Lenny's birthday party when I'm trying to find stranger things pop-ups because I'm depressed and everybody else around me is drunk and having a good time. I could have gotten the little asshole for 15 like every other pop-up if I had just waited a few years. I would have been much less happy if I did not have yeah, any cast back all this time, You wouldn't have though. made it a few years. It was an investment. It was, it was an, investment. an investment. And, like, okay, I am that kind of a nerd yeah. that I invest in my nerdy things. That's okay. And it was it was your money. It's not like you were a kid who was like, Mommy, really want this? It's only 50 bucks. Like, you spent your money that you made. No, it. it was Christmas money. Okay, well then you were spent. You spent <laughs> money that you were given to spend on yourself. For yeah, but it. also like I had bills to pay. Should have used it for that. Uh, and bills were paid anyway. That's true. So, so like, yeah, I mean things get tight, but we always pay our bills. So like, use your money for what you want. Don't let people tell you what you have to use it on. If you want to eat frozen pizza every night to get an Eddie Casper pop up, you do that. If that is your self care and your mental health movement for the day and you just need to eat frozen pizza for a week in order to get the thing that you've been wanting do it um there are only two other notes that i have about the first episode um or first chapter of it uh and that is in the scene when they're in the field preparing 
or battle battle <laughs> um Aww. i don't pronounce the t like dustin does so it just sounds like i can't bat enunciate Ill. battle he says battle um anyway erica is with lucas and i like that we get to see their sibling bonding time i wish that we had gotten more time like that with nancy and mike throughout the seasons but erica and jonathan and will and i feel like it yes same i feel like it helps that erica and lucas are closer in age it seems but when she admits to him that like she has guilt over not being in his game he was like you were at every game and she said not the one that mattered Ugh. oh i was like finally someone was like acknowledges no. that they all sucked but no one was there for you and that's not okay okay because i did not talk about this enough when we covered season four volume one the audacity of these children to not go to their best friend's basketball game like under any circumstances like no you don't miss that shit you don't miss that stuff okay you just don't you go to that stuff maybe it's because i'm a hufflepuff (laughs) and so i think you have to be there for every single thing but i it makes me so sick it makes me so angry that apparently i sound like a cat and I like apparently I don't sound like a cat. <laughs> cool. And what do things sound like then? Uh, that didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard before. That was an original Mara. So many thoughts just hit my brain and I don't know what I was saying now. Okay, we're going to move on um, to the episode only, nine. Uh, nope. I'm sorry. Lainey's got more notes. The only other note I had was that the song choice that they have for the very end when they're all going to like the separate parts and it plays the version of worlds apart that they created for the show that has like the stranger things like theme behind into it. it which is really good but the original version is also really good but i see why they changed it um it's just like the perfect moment i will say that this show season after season i believe has had some of the best soundtrack and like scoring of any show or movie it is phenomenal because they don't tend to just use scoring like they do clearly their theme is scored and stuff like that but they use a lot of actual songs and they don't they make sure not to use songs that wouldn't have been released by that time and they fit so freaking well well and like i always kind of wondered when don't stop believing would pop up um because it's like one of the most iconic songs Mm -hmm. or like living on a prayer or anything they're a couple of the most iconic songs from that time but i will say with the exception of like time after time and every breath you take i feel like all the other songs their songs some a lot of well they used thriller at one point too and should i say okay so i know most of the songs and i guess because i know most of the songs i automatically think oh well they're kind of well known but i feel like a lot of them aren't really that well known and at one point in this season they kind of make a don't stop believing joke which at one point someone says we can't or just make sure you don't stop believing or something like that. I'd have to find it. Uh, maybe I'll do that sometime tomorrow on my day off or whatever. But I laughed a lot because it was just like, hopefully they won't use the song, but they're just going to make that little joke of like, we understand it was popular, but we don't want to use it. Right. Like I do feel like a lot of shows will be like, well, this song was like a big hit, so we should put it here. And it's, if it doesn't fit, don't do it. See, they have the opposite problem with screenwriting is that they are so unmovable in it that they can't change anything to actually fit what it needs to be. 
<laughs> ladies like glaring hardcore at me i just i'm not gla- i'm not glaring at you it, it's hard because i really i love the show i think the duffer brothers started something really great and i'm hoping that they finish something really great and i i think it's somewhat of an unpopular opinion but i did really like this season i did too i just there are a lot of things where i just feel like the ball had been dropped yeah and not in like a mean way like that happens but i just feel like the same care that went into seasons one and two did not go into seasons three and four i agree and i i mean i do think a lot of that comes from how popular the show got Mm-hmm. Also, I just think we should, never should have taken it out of the fall and winter seasons. No. Maybe that's a personal <laughs> opinion because I like fall and winter seasons more, but that's just kind of where I'm at with that one. Okay, so moving on. So the show picks up on our RV group. It doesn't pick up on the RV group, but we've already talked about what it picks up on. But with the RV group, they are going over their plan. Um basically it's one of those things that you just do for your audience so that they know what it is but dustin telling steve to be careful was one of those moments where i was like yeah steve's gonna die yeah it was another moment steve had more of those moments which almost made it and i said this tomorrow mom while we were watching it they made so many moments of that for him that it was almost like no there's no way it could be him right also netflix had that big billboard that was like save steve at all costs or whatever and you know you're not killing that character at that point. Yeah. That was a giveaway. I will say this is also the moment where I... This was the f- the most prominent moment where I went... Actually, this is where I knew. Nope. This was the most prominent moment where I thought Eddie's going to die. Because Steve tells them that if some if things go south, they need to get out. Because he just wants his little family to be safe. Mm-hmm. And... Eddie says, look at us. We're not heroes. Ugh, and, the, and, and like, weird. obviously they had the, the theme through the whole first volume of him, like, running from his problems when he thought he wouldn't be that kind of person. And it automatically was leading towards, like, Eddie's going to die because he's going to decide that he's not going to run, which is something we will get into, let me tell you. And, but this was the moment in this season, or in, in this volume, where I was like, oh, God. And also, there was that screen cap of Dustin, like, screaming in anguish that came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. It's Steve Reddy. Steve Reddy dies. You had to know. Um, and so I was just, like, waiting for that scene. <laughs> one. So I'm going to focus on Steve here for a bit because why not? Um, That's true. So I like that he kind of became a front runner. Like, I know that his character's always been big. And I feel like they poured a lot more into his character because he was a fan favorite than they did in others. But I like, he seemed to evolve this season. And I like that he actually was like involved, involved with the plot instead of it just being like he was the getaway driver. Like he it was happened the babysitter. Like it happened to him. He was there. He saw it. He actually went up against and came face to face with Vecna. And he, he and Nancy like led the group. Like she led in the planning. He led more in the like getting you through it and steve takes on that protector role i know i've said it before but like he really does he's he's like a younger hopper in that way which is why mars always wanted steve to, to realize he cop. wants to be a cop and then take over for sheriff when hopper retires <laughs> i have a whole two pages of fan fiction about it um but i like when he goes through the gate at eddie's trailer 
and he like hops down because the mattress isn't there and he lands on his feet and it like just it's one of those action shot moments but it just take took me straight back to the stealthy like like a a ninja. ninja and then him jumping up with those vines and like he's like all proud of himself and the girls are like what are we supposed to applaud for him or whatever no robin says that um oh no she says that there here when he jumps down still but when he was like going over the vines it it just took me right back to that same i feel like we had a lot of ties back to season one steve that really did show how season four steve is so different see but that was another reason that i thought he was gonna die because they were showing us like here's how he's still like his character from season one but also he's grown so much to be a better person and it's just like i was just like don't do it there is another season so get out you can't be here anymore i pay half this This is my podcast now It <laughs> just made me angry. <laughs> I just said no. You're my best friend. It's fine. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to know how we solve our fights, it's not true, actually. But. Not at all. Actually, I don't think any of our fights are ever solved. Nope. I'm with Mara on this. Mara has a note on here, and she said it the other night, too. I wish we had gotten a scene with all of the teenagers together. And, like, I understand that... No, never mind, because I feel like even... Eddie with Nancy and Steve and Robin. I don't know why, but I feel like they didn't have much interaction. They did in volume one, though. But in yeah. volume two, it was like they were all together, but they different ones talked to the kids. Or it was like Steve and Robin talked to each other and Steve and Nancy talked to each other. And Robin and Nancy talked to each other. And it was just kind of like Eddie had a couple funny lines. Um, but I, I do wish Jonathan had been there. Although I think... Had Jonathan been there, we wouldn't have seen so much development of Steve. That's another problem I had with the storyline this season. Um, I know that I, last episode, gave a hint. Not last episode, but the first volume of the season. I gave the hint that I was like a, um, a Stancy shipper. I'm not. I wanted Steve to be happy. I have firmly always been a Jancy shipper. I don't like that they are leaning so heavily into Stancy right now. And even at the end of the season, she just tells Jonathan, oh, yeah, no, we're totally cool. It's fine. I don't want to talk about the end of the season with her and Jonathan. I don't want to talk about the end of the season. It was Mm -hmm. that too. And do I have some things to say? Mm -hmm. Um, I with the pizza party when they're filling up on gas. First of all, Jonathan fighting with this airlines person it's such a joyce he's such a joyce yeah where he's like i will do anything to get back to my friend like 11 like straight up walks away from them and no one's concerned i'd have been like she's 11 also that billboard i get the point of the billboard that was it was like a mom and the kid but i did not think it was enough of a reference for her to like think about the piggyback also 11 knows nothing about the world how does she know about a piggyback I, well, I'm assuming one of them probably gave her a piggyback right at some point. I just don't like when shows make us assume things. I agree, but, you know, here we are. I a- assuming everything. do love that Argyle measured her for that a freezer. That is so freaking funny. And it's so funny to me that she draws the little plan 
as a diagram in the dust on his car and like she full draws max she's like i'm not gonna just draw like a little stick or anything it's like here is max here is hair and she like goes into small detail and it's so freaking cute i love that the way she draws max as a stick figure the way she draws her hair is like down and then squiggle up or whatever Max draws her hair the exact same way when she makes the drawing for Lucas, which is so funny because her hair doesn't really like, hair doesn't do that. like it's kind of it's got kind of ways to it, but it's not like. But this whole flippy. season, she had it in a ponytail or a braid, right? Uh, but I, I mean, that's just how people learn to draw hair, though. Um, so this is where the notes get really confusing because everything is happening at, at once. one time, uh, it, and it gets worse when you get to the end. There was a part where I said like. This is the scene we're in, and then simultaneously this is happening, and then I just went whatever this is ha- what is happening like as a full breakdown. I didn't right. care about the scene specifically anymore. Um, so phase one team, Lucas, Max, and Erica. I like that we didn't split our siblings up. I feel like Lucas specifically probably did that because he was like, "She's my little sister." Like I don't. She's trust not going her not into the upside down, me. and she is with me exactly. Um, they're all barefoot, and I don't know why, but I love it. I do too. I really like there. There's something about the quietness and the aesthetic of it that I'm like into. But at first, I was so confused. I was like, "Why the fuck aren't we wearing shoes?" It builds them being barefoot because it's so out of place, and with the, how quiet and eerie it is, and like we can still hear the creaking and stuff. It builds the suspense so much more. It makes it feel like a house where you can just kind of hear the creaks and moans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you're home alone and you can hear it, and mm-hmm. it's stressful. I did not like that these lanterns like. We're, we're alive and we're blue i didn't like that um them writing little notes to each other though i love I... that moment i also like that they made sure that erica was out of the house same like i, I know that i said i don't like when Charles make us assume things but i am assuming that lucas was like she is not no she's having the least involvement she will be the farthest away from any of this clearly it didn't really work out for her fuck andy um I here's the thing I want to know this grown ass man is walking by and was like yeah let me call up them teenage boys on that basketball team let them come figure this out sir sir first of all what you doing walking past murder house in the middle of the night right second of all I forgot oh that's cool anyway um but yeah I like the little I don't think we're actually at the part where Max and L are drawing Max and L what <laughs> Max and Lucas which starts with an L are drawing their little like writing their little notes back mm-hmm. and forth through each other um but that scene is so cute and everybody's like we should have known because you know Mike and Eleven planned going to the snowball together and then she disappeared and then Jopper planned a date and then he died so of course the minute Lumax plans a date to get back together finally and she draws this adorable little drawing of them together on the date oh my heart someone pointed out that she put them in the same seats they were in season three when they went to the movies together like she was on that side and he was on that side I love them so much me too I'm not gonna cry today. I want a sticker of it. I want it on a hoodie. I might get it tattooed on me. That little drawing. Just that alone. That was a joke. Lainey's looking at me with great fear. Sticker, sweatshirt, all for it. Tattoo. Listen, I don't know. I mean, I know what one of my Stranger Things tattoos is, but I don't know what the other one is. Anyway, you had more to say. Did I? (laughs) Yeah, and then I interrupted you. (laughs) 
Nope, it's gone. It was just about them writing notes back and forth. It was just oh, oh. it was that everybody was like, we should have known, we should have known that one something was going to happen to her because you can't plan a date in the show without it going south. But here's the thing, both of those people came back. Also, I just think it would be such a poor choice and poor writing if they brought Max back to life only to have her still like first of all I don't like that they refer to it as brain dead because once you're brain dead you don't come back from it so if she is in fact brain dead all you did was like make a real shit storyline take away a traumatic death that people should have been able to sit with and then you're gonna create a random nothing storyline next season so she has to come back or that's for nothing um oh my gosh the emoji on this i thought something was on my screen oh the black heart near dustin and eddie yeah listen it's necessary so this is basically where everything's kind of going down they're all planning every like it is each little factor is planning and setting up how they're going to take care of their situation you know the team in russia is like we're going back to the prison And we're going to get rid of this stuff because it's a hive mind. And we know that our children are in danger and getting like targeting these is going to help them. And then 11 and the pizza party are preparing in Argyle's case a pizza (laughs) and in everybody else's case, the pizza dough freezer for 11 to make a salt bath out of. And then everybody else is like setting up their phases. I am with Argyle on the pizza. I love pineapple on a pizza. It's disgusting. Um, my favorite pizza is pineapple and jalapenos. It's disgusting. Um, Even my more disgusting. Favorite than pizza pineapple. is from Little Caesars, but I cannot get that pizza at Little Caesars because they don't like cook the pineapple on the pizza, so I have to get it from Domino's. As my coworker said, we like cardboard that tastes like cardboard, and we like Little Caesars pizza. I could go buy Little Caesars pizza, okay? I don't it's know what so good. And also, if you order it in store or on the phone, you can get the Parmesan butter, butter crust, crust. And it's fucking delicious. It really is. See, that's my thing. I don't like Domino's crust. I do, but. I don't. I don't like it. It's, I don't like Pizza Hut And I think all. they have the best thin crust. The, okay, Domino's does have the best thin Damn, crust. Damn, we got some no Domino's out there, crust. and I really want some. Which, by the way, I don't know if anybody's tried to order off the Domino's app with the whole mind ordering thing. But I was trying to do that last night and I was doing a little test with the magic eight ball and I got it to raise into the air, but I could not get it to go down worth a shit. So then I finally gave up and just tried to order it the normal way. And then they were like, you can't order it the normal way here. It wouldn't let me in or, Oh, it wouldn't let me log in for some reason. So while they're all that's going on, you know, the, the trio of teens and the upside down, I think I don't like that Robin runs away when she's supposed to be so clumsy just so Steve and Nancy could have had this moment. I think it would have been more in character because she's done it before for Robin to be slightly in front of or behind and just hearing it. I agree. Here's my thing about Robin's character this season. And obviously we've only had her for the two seasons now. But in the first season, she is kind of a bumbly, clumsy, goofy person but she's also very like level-headed and smart most of the time Mm -hmm. she has a couple moments where she like kind of almost freaks out and i do understand with this season they wanted to show more of her being like relaxed because she's with people that she trusts and under you know and well she trusts steve you know Mm -hmm. with everything and everybody else with stuff and you know she's more comfortable and everything but i just feel like she kind of became almost a shtick 
of her season one character, she had some really great moments. Like when she was doing that whole powerful fake story to try and get to talk to Victor. Mm -hmm. And then there was one that we were just, uh, Oh, it was after that when she was talking about the music and stuff. And so she has a couple of those really great moments, but sometimes it just like in this instance, it just seems kind of like foolish, not so much funny, but kind of like pointless. And she's just like running away. And you're right. It's just so that way Steve and Nancy can have a chance to talk alone with each other, which I hate. Because I don't think Steve needed to point out that he was thinking about Nancy that whole time. I think it was fine to point out, like, his metaphor about, like, how he crawled backwards and he hit his head and then she gave him a thump. That was really nice. It explained the character development we got. It Which makes I liked a lot. Me, too. I liked it. Steve became very adult in that moment. Again, in volume two, I feel like the characters, not that I didn't feel that they were true to themselves, but they just felt so much more grown up because this is... Like, the mind flare was huge and scary, but it was all, like, also happening at one time. There was no prep. Like, the mind flare just attacked. It didn't really have a set course of action other than wanting to kill Eleven, but Vecna, like, you know, vets his victims. Um, But I think there's no reason for Steve to point out that Nancy was the one that he sees unless they're going to go back to Stancy. Well, and I thought it was kind of a given anyway that... They probably, like, she probably kind of thought that anyway. She acts also, like she didn't, though. And I f- I feel like Nancy would have put that together. Well, and my my thing here is that the only kind of good thing I think that comes from this is that he tells her that. But it seems to me like he's telling her that and he's saying, I think of it this way, but I know I can't, it can't happen. And they don't, it doesn't seem to me like they're going to go in to kiss or anything, which I think most people would have done in this situation. Right. To me, it seems like she's like about to say, I don't want that. Like she's been kind of thinking about it, I think. But I think in this moment when he's saying that she's kind of realizing like, that's not something I want. And we definitely want different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. String bean. So that's where I'm at with that. And then we have, I'm going to skip the whole Russia part. Is that okay? Yep. There's nothing to talk about. And then we have, our as mark calls them the upside right the right side up murder house duo listen Um, here are the names for everybody right now we've got the pizza party we've got the upside down trio which is the teens nancy robin and um steve then we've got russia and then we've got the russian duo which so, so the russia splits into russian duo and russian trio and then we've got right side up murder house trio and duo trio of erica is there right now she's not and then we've got the metal duo which is (laughs) eddie and dustin and that's and then we've got dream max and then we've got assholes and that's that's and then we've got max's memory 11 and then we've got snowball max okay these are all the names (laughs) thank you i can't even keep track now i'm so confused uh so at this point max uh, hmm couldn't, what? I tried to call Erica Jessica. What? I don't know why. But Erica signals the upside down murder house trio. And Max puts on her shoes. And it's like go time. Like up until now, it's just been like stomach in knots. Like suspense, kind of calm like, like butterflies. Yeah. 
and it's the calm before the storm and now you know everything's about to happen and she i love that lucas is like literally right by her side this whole time um and then she finds vecna i want to know hold on because i don't think this is a question i'm gonna ask in the next episode why is vecna just (laughs) chilling in this area i don't fucking know like is he just like sitting on the couch like what's up guys um but so he follows he goes upstairs you would think he he would think it's fishy that she knows exactly where he is and that he would think something's gonna happen i don't know i think he also knows exactly what's happening he basically admits he knows their plan that's true oh that's just terrible um so she's talking to vecna they're upstairs um and then we have the pizza party mike makes the pizza box glasses which i love this moment it's it is so cute. Season one, Mike Wheeler trying to make someone feel better. And being like, do I look cool? Like, in the fact that she laughs. It's just so this, wholesome. again, was very reminiscent of season one and season two humor. Yeah. It wasn't the mean humor or, like, the dumb humor that we see a whole lot of. It was just strict. They're trying to, like, kind of just laugh about some stuff for a minute. And I know that, like, while the Argyle and Eleven are force-feeding him... First of all, Mike says, I'm not a dog. I'm not a dog. Which makes me think of season one when they're when Dustin's like, here, make a float or whatever. And he <laughs> goes, she's not a dog. <laughs> um, Mike Wheeler just wants you guys to know that they are not dogs. Uh, no, but we have Will and Jonathan in the kitchen making okay. the bath. And I... M- my biggest thing on this is, like, clearly Jonathan is telling will like i accept you i'm here for you i'm sorry you haven't been here i know what's happening will doesn't say anything and i know a lot of people had a problem with this but i feel it would be wrong of jonathan to say to out will to him to be like i know you're gay okay and not let will tell him on his own and i agree with that i i agree that i don't think we need jonathan telling will hey i know you are this i don't think that's right However, I am with everyone else and saying that I was just kind of disappointed because it seemed like the perfect moment for Will to talk to Jonathan about that. Mm-hmm. And instead, like all Will said was, you know, I'm here for you, too. And yeah. it just seemed like it could have been a big moment for Will to express a lot of feelings that he doesn't feel like he can express to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And because he's been feeling a little alone and like he has no one to talk to. And then he doesn't like it was almost a bigger moment for Jonathan. It was. I, it was Which nice was confusing. to see them as siblings again. But again, they are trying so hard to be like, well, this is just not something we were going to focus on from the beginning. So we're just not going to focus on it, even though it's blatantly obvious to our viewers. And it's something that our viewers very much so want and need and deserve. I don't know. It just, I, I, again, a lot of the problem is the way that they address it, like outside of the show, even. Um, so if they don't do something with season five, I, uh, that's I will be really bad. Yep. That won't be good. Um, and then, you know, Eleven goes into the bath and she's in Creel house with Lucas and Max waiting for her to get back. And then she like piggybacks. Um, and so now if we're back with those kids, Eleven's still technically there. It's also confusing. So why do you say the, oh, the light goes out. So Vecna, what do you think Vecna's doing? Do you think he noticed that Eleven was there in Max's mind and that's why he left the light? Because that was always where I thought 
but they never explain it and max is always like what the fuck are you doing but he walks away as soon as 11 pops up well and he does seem to be a little surprised about 11 being there mm-hmm. um but i wonder if it's more surprised to find 11 in max's thoughts I, not so much the 11 is there in general right i think he knows that she knows she can do that because clearly she went into that space when she opened the gate i don't think he knew that she knew how to piggyback right which is clearly something that like he is doing but i just don't i don't know i feel like i've a part of me thought that maybe it was because 11 was there the two like it's kind of like a magnet situation it like their energy kind of canceled out the fact that like the light would be lighting up at that moment um but i honestly don't know right i I can't even begin to try to understand how the upside down works i want to know so max not max 11 piggybacks into max's mind and she ends up at the skate park why does she end up in a random memory why is it important to the show that we ended up in that memory i feel like it was a way to stall time before she found max and then like they're like oh this is out of the normal the booth is up there the dj booth from the snowball is up there and she goes up there and it's like but why would that be playing is it because like you're in a memory of max's but like all of her memories can be hearing that because it's the memory she's focused on it doesn't make sense to me the way they do that it doesn't to me either and i do feel like that scene like that memory has to be important for them to have put that in there maybe it's something to do with the fact that like max fell down but got back up and told some guy some older guy to like it was like a off or throwback what? to season two and three because she flips someone off in both those seasons when they act right. that way but it was just like it didn't seem that necessary so then we enact phase three with our metal duo and eddie's on top of his trailer playing the most metal concert in the world yeah master of puppets um, by Metallica. Which everyone has seen this, but I'm just going to say he clearly spent all of his time learning up leading up until his death. I love that he says, Chrissy, this is for you. Well, and a lot of people obviously were instantly like, oh, it's because he was in love with Chrissy. But no. Joseph Quinn even said he was like, well, I think it would have been a fun thing to explore him and Chrissy having this relationship. He was like, that was purely out of like justice for her because uh, he watched her die in a very gruesome way and he didn't think she deserved it. And also he's being blamed for it. (laughs) Right. Like to him, that was probably, I'm so sorry I didn't do anything. Or I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. I did. And I ran. And basically I think it's also him kind of forgiving himself for running away. Um, And then the upside down trio moves into the house which i feel like it takes them for fucking ever to get up there which i know they have to jump the vines but i feel like even just to get into the house it took them forever because they walk at a snail's pace and i understand nini b has a lot strapped to her back and that girl is small but (laughs) steve could have carried something extra okay (laughs) if old brenner can carry teenage 11 up a bunker Steve could have carried an extra bag. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Um, and then the bats start to fly at them. And Max tries to escape the house. And here's where I miss talking about this because we didn't have much to say about the very beginning of the first episode of this volume where Nancy's being Vecna'd. Nancy, pl- like, pries the wooden boards. Oh, I did notice and that. Out. And Max doesn't even attempt it until the very end. And then she just goes into her memory 
to me, it's very telling of how they are. Like Nancy will do anything to get out, anything to get out of a situation. Whereas Max gets a little more panicky, but she also is like, this was what I was supposed to be doing. Hold on. Let me do it. I don't know. I like just to see that they were both very strong willed and got themselves out of that situation. And they Same. basically saved themselves. Also, this is the mem- the moment that the dickhead Andy decides to attack a 12 year old girl and pin her to the ground. And, um, you know, I said a lot about how I was sad when Brenner and Jason died because I wanted justice for them or justice against them rather than like them dying. But I think I could do with Andy being dead. Same. I think because we don't explore Andy anymore, I don't think he... I think he was caught up in Jason's whole thing. No, I think Andy's the psychotic one. I'm sorry. Did you see Jason shooting those practice dummies? Oh, Jason is. But here's how I think about it. So I feel like in crazy friend groups like this where things get carried away, there's the person that like has the plan and is like, this is what we're going to do. And this is why we're going to do it. And like, they're crazy, obviously. It's not okay to do this. But there's always that one person in the group that like takes it a little too far. Yeah. And that's Andy. I just believe it in my soul that that's Andy. I feel like, I feel like it's both of them. I can't, Probably. I can't not say that Jason is that person considering he legitimately shot at Lucas. I don't want to, um, I, I don't even know. That is, that's the scene. That I feel his parents were unable to watch because oh, yeah. that is an all too real reality for him. That that is a situation that he could very easily come across, unfortunately. And it, I, I it, no, I feel horrible that he had to shoot that, and I feel horrible for his parents for having to watch it. Um, and the Max ends up at the snowball, and she just sits there for a long time, which. It's kind of weird. She was just going to like hang out. Yeah, she's just um, chilling at the snowball. <laughs> well, she's really nervous. You can tell she's like fidgeting a lot because you are. You're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah, but you're also hoping nothing and happens. And she's probably hoping to hear that song and she's not. And she's like, oh my God, hurry up. And this is where I'm like, the teens are taking too long. And they did. Uh, but the balloons start to explode and they're bloody. And this, Mara and I were like, oh, another it vibe. But it's not. There are balloons filled with blood that explode at the dance and carry. Really? Yeah. Oh, because they explode a balloon filled with blood. No, they dump a no, bucket No, they dump on a bucket on her. But there are balloons filled with blood that they explode. Interesting. So, I mean, yes, that. But it also did remind me a lot of of it. Even the music they play, we talked about that. It's the music that they play at the beginning of It Chapter 2, the, like, kind of metal screeching noise. Mm-hmm. It was kind of playing like very kind of under the rest of the music in this scene when the balloons were exploding. And I was just like, stress. Right. <laughs> and then the, the metal duo get into the, the trailer in like the nick of fucking time. I am. Okay. I don't know if any of you have listened to all of master of puppets. I hope you do. It's one of those things where I like, you feel like a poser. Cause you start to like, like I am not an iron maiden fan. Not that I don't like them. I just have never gone out of my way to listen to them. Master of Puppets yeah. is a Metallica song. I realized it was Metallica. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was getting confused because of the Iron Maiden cassette that he held up. Anyway, I don't know if any of you have listened to the whole um, P- Master of Puppets song. I really like it. I don't want to feel like a poser, but it's one of those things that like I absorb into my music that I'll continue to listen to because I actually do enjoy it. Um, but 
there is a softer guitar solo in there that I am so sad I didn't get to see. There's the softer guitar solo, and then there's, like, the really intense guitar solo mm-hmm. that's, like, a true guitar solo. It's not so much, like, just this is incredible guitar playing mm-hmm. from the beginning of a song. Right. And, yeah, I'm going to be a little bitter that we don't get to see Eddie perform the entire seven-minute song. Thank right. you. Also, this is where, in Russia, we have them back in the prison and we see that all the tanks were shot up and that then the guy says that the the particles which is the mind flare went into the demodogs demogorgon that will be brought up in the in next episode but hopper they it felt so much like season two in the lab with the cameras and then this is the thing and then um i'm gonna expand on this because i don't really feel like jumping back and forth with the russia thing so he is running from the demodog and it ends up jumping on him when all the stuff is going down and Joyce ends up having to come out and she kills it. And this is where someone pointed out that that had to be so hard for her because it's the same thing with Bob. The demodog jumped on him and this time she could save him, whereas last time she couldn't. So they were like, she was probably having such a horrible time and was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it again. And actually got to save him this time. But it's just horrible that Hopper almost went out the same way Bob did. R.I.P. Bob. R.I.P. Bob newbie. Superhero. I do miss him. Um, In our Upside Down trio, they get in the house and... Oh, I have a question. <laughs> so when we're at the snowball thing, so when it... When the balloons start exploding, the song changes to Dream a Little Dream of Me. And it does when Eleven's like at the thing in the skate park why max knows nothing about that song i just think that it is a song that resonates with henry with henry i just think it was a weird choice because he's the one that's playing it and when victor hears it yeah like no one else had music on and then in yeah no and i don't no and then, like, on the flip side, for our upside characters in Murder House, Jason pulls the gun on Lucas and they're fighting. And he's telling Lucas to, like, bring her out of her trance. And he ends up in the midst of fighting Lucas. And this is the part where you know Max is going to die. He steps on the Walkman and breaks it. That was the moment I started crying. Because you know she's going to die and there's absolutely nothing Lucas can do. And you hear him go, no, no, no. Because it's the moment he knows. Because... He can't get her out now. Like, that was her lifeline. And Jason just said, I want to know why we left it on the floor. That was careless. Right. Why was it not on the little altar table thing? Also, how is that still there? <laughs> right. And we have Dustin. And um, I feel like when Eddie puts the thing over the vent in the RV, that's when you know he's probably going to die. And then he cuts the thing. And I was really confused when he cut the rope thing to get in and out of that gate. It's And I know that I already told you this, yeah. but it's because he's trying to keep Dustin Dust from him. getting back in. Mm-hmm. And that's why he flips the mattress back out of the way. It's so because terrible. he wants to make sure Dustin Dustin's doesn't follow him. And it's just... It's Yeah, this so is the upsetting. moment where you know Eddie's going to die. That Like, this was the true moment where I was like, Eddie is deciding to stay in the upside down. He's not following Steve's advice. And he doesn't want to run anymore. So he's so he's going to be the hero. And so he's going to die. And I... So, like, Jason has just stepped on the Walkman. 
and then this is happening. So this is pretty much where I started crying. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie rides away to take the bats with him. And Dustin is screaming and freaking out and crying. And he is the most unstoppable little baby being for a second and gets in back into the upside down by jumping off of a chair and he hurts oh, himself. Oh, he hurts his leg. I, it sounded and kind of seems like it should have been broken. I don't know what he did. But he's definitely, he doesn't have a cast and he's not wearing, he's using limping. crutches. He's just limping. So I don't know if it's just like he sprained it or something like that would be my best guess. I like that they did follow through. That Like he continued limping yeah. the two days later. I agree. But, um, and so he goes back in and he just like runs out trying to find Eddie, which is so stressful. And I feel like now we need to talk about them singularly rather than like mm-hmm. what each moment is happening. So we'll talk about Eddie first, I guess. Okay. And so it's going to be hard to get through. I'm very sorry. Oh God. And so <laughs> Eddie is like running away from these bats and, you know, he falls off of the bike and everything, which, by the way, we're pretty sure is Mike Wheeler's bike. It looks exactly like his bike from season one. And we know for a fact they that they took, took the, bikes from the, wheelers. the bikes from the wheelers house. It is Mike Wheeler's it bike. It has to be Mike Wheeler's bike. Eddie was pedaling Mike Wheeler's bike harder than Mike Wheeler could ever dream of. So fucking funny. <laughs> anyway, so he falls off the bike and he's like running from these bats. And I think and like obviously he's just still trying to distract them. And here's my issue is that he could have kept running He didn't need to stop and turn around. I saw this one post on Tumblr. I think I reblogged it. If I didn't, I'll find it. I'll reblog it. Where his death didn't seem like they worked this moment up to be so much of a he dies a hero because he realized that by by not running anymore and by staying and basically dying, he was a hero. And it's like he could have kept running so he could help later on and he would have been just as much of a hero then there was no reason for him to stop and fight the bats like he could have kept them distracted while like running it would have worked because it is a nice moment of like self-reflection and i can't keep doing this if he hadn't died right exactly also at one point the bats start to whoosh past him and it makes me think of when steve grabs dustin when they're trying to get up out of the tunnels and the demogor the demodogs rush past them rather than trying mm-hmm. to attack them. I thought that's what was happening. So I'm sitting here convinced Eddie's going to die. Obviously he does. I'm sobbing and the like everything is happening. And um I think also at this point Max is up in the air. Or no, at this point I think Max is already broken and she's fallen. Mm-hmm. So we're basically sitting here going, Oh my god, Max just fucking died. And so the bats start whooshing past Eddie and I went, oh my gosh, no, they're just distracted because of the hive mind because in Russia they're blowing everything up and Nancy, Steve and Robin are attacking Vecna's body. Like it's totally fine. He's going to be fine. And then it comes back to him and they're circling him rather than they were whooshing past him. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And so then we have to go through the gruesome scene of Dustin finding him bleeding out and just telling him that he loves him and that he needs to tell him that he wants that he that he's going to take care of everyone and like it's kind of a parallel to Brenner asking Eleven to say she understands where like Dustin could give Eddie that because Dustin loved Eddie and he was willing to do what Eddie wanted to do 
and I just oh guys it was rough I was just I was I was like this was the part where I was on the floor like reaching for the TV it was bad Gaten Matarazzo in the scene he plays grief very well phenomenal and it is horrible like it was one of those things where his acting didn't get in the way but his grief didn't get in the way of his acting either exactly like there were times where you couldn't quite make out the word he said but it was very real like like that's how it is when you're sobbing that hard like your words kind of get lost and then he like wails at the end it's he did such a good job and also eddie's last words were telling dustin that he loved him um you can talk while i cry for a minute okay mara's gonna cry while i talk so we're gonna go back to do you want to go back to our trio or our snowball go back to the trio first i think we should end with max and the snowball i do too um so the trio they are getting around the vines and then the earthquake knocks them i want to know did the earthquake make one of them touch a vine because we don't see it or was it just that beckner was like they are far too close i want to know which um and then so robin gets taken and steve and nancy are trying to get her out and then steve gets taken and i was convinced that nancy was gonna have to pick one of them to save oh my gosh laney said that and i started freaking panicking i was like oh my god steve's gonna die and for some reason in my mind i was like steve's gonna die because nancy's gonna save robin and i was like nancy and robin like while they're becoming friends like nancy and steve have a history they are close she has a lot more emotional pull towards him than she does robin Plus, he would be better to help get Robin out. But, but he would never have let Nancy choose him. He would never Robin. have let Nancy choose him, but I don't think that would have mattered to Nancy. I don't think so either in the long run, because Nancy is a Slytherin at the end of the day. However, I think Nancy is the kind of person that would have found a way to get them both out. Same. So then they finally get out clearly when Hopper, when Joyce kills the Demodog, because that's when, like, and they set the Demogorgon on fire and everything like that. Because that's when um, the vines release and the bats start to die. And at this point, Eleven has him pinned. And they go up into the lair. And they start throwing these Molotov cocktails at them. First of all, the fact that when they first hit him, he looks like he straight up had that falling sensation while falling asleep. Like the, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, moment. that's exactly what it looked like. And it clearly pulls him out of, like, Max's mind, which is what releases her as well. Mm-hmm. Is it his mind or her mind? It's her, her mind. mind. She says that. But it's weird that she can't get out of it because of him. I don't know. Uh, and they, like, throw another one at him. And it's very slow. And he doesn't seem that phased by them. And then Nancy starts shooting at him. Okay. And Robin which- takes this bottle and, like... So she has it in her left hand and then she kind of throws it up and into her right hand and then pulls it back behind her and then throws it. And I just sat there the whole time going, I would have set myself on fire if I tried to pull that move. Um, I Nancy shooting that gun is one of the hottest things ever. (laughs) Oh, my. Uh, I have always loved Nancy Wheeler. And boy, oh, boy, did that only reaffirm Steve's love for her. Like, I don't blame him. He was like, ah, yes, get you a woman that can protect you. Because she can. And you know what? Jonathan did find her because Jonathan is a soft bean and we love to see it. Um, But she doesn't shoot him in the face. She, like, purposefully shoots him in the chest. Maybe that's just where she could reach. She is small. (laughs) Beck does not. I mean, he's like, he's just tall. 
also, I hate when he screams at them at the end, though, when he opens his mouth. I'm like, <laughs> Mara laughed because when we were looking at him, I said, did your mama give you that face? <laughs> <laughs> she did. She was like, your mama gave you that face? And it was just like, oh, just, it's gross. And it, it doesn't make anatomical and it doesn't make sense to me anatomically speaking necessarily also he gives me davy jones vibes with like the tentacle things um and then he falls out the window and clearly you know he's not going to be there and they run outside like he's still going to be there and then they hear the chime and they run in and nancy looks sad and she goes max but robin and steve like i know it's only a split second before the earthquake happens they don't really have a sad recognition of sadness they're just like oh that sucks and it's like steve was very invested in her and dear billy yeah and i just don't see steve being not upset about that and i don't see robin not being upset about that either. either like that's upsetting first of all all hope is lost at that point you think because four deaths have happened right second someone that you you know and have gone through all this trauma with is dying which is very hard and also she's a kid like and i know that like they're not that much older than her well steve's quite a bit older well, than and her, like but. while their plan was to make sure that the that the gate fourth gate wasn't opened their plan was also to always make sure max was safe yeah. like that would be their number one priority in that moment right. like lucas they all knew that as soon as she started lifting in the air lucas was going to turn the music on because they weren't going to cut it because that close that was the rule there was no way and that's why they they had to use Max's bait. They wouldn't have if it, they could do it any other way. But that's also why they put those three teens as the ones going into the actual house to kill Vecna. They weren't going to let the kids do that. Mm-hmm. Hell, they're probably lucky. Dustin's lucky to let him go into the Upside Down at all. Right. Yeah. I was really surprised by that, honestly. I think they thought, well, if he's with Eddie, Eddie he's fine. Which he was. was. But, uh, and then we'll go back to the snowball, them. And... We have, so Vecna comes up. Should we Max. do Russia real quick? With okay, just one quick do moment of talk. I just want to talk about how hot it is that Hopper picks up this sword. Oh yeah, that is hot. Done. It is hot, and I love Murray screaming for Katinka. Katinka. I don't feel that Murray really had any purpose in this, and also we haven't talked about Hawkeye and Yuri because it just was kind of boring. The only thing I want to know: Did Hawkeye go to the states? Right, because he says that, like Murray at one point is trying to convince Hawkeye to come to America with them and that's it and like did we bring the tile and it seems that he is he gonna be next door neighbors with the hoppers right slash buyers now because like i'm attached now of which only one of them will be a buyer i expected him jonathan's a hopper jonathan is a hopper but it's okay yeah i expected hot guy to die by this point i expected him to be the like barb bob alexi Mm -hmm. of the season i knew eddie wouldn't be because we got like while we had bob throughout basically the whole season he wasn't as heavily in the show he wasn't a main like like he wasn't he wasn't a plot a plot of the show and i i hesitate to say this because i can't stand billy but i think eddie was more the billy of the show of this season Mm -hmm. not in the way that he mirrored billy but in the way that his involvement character was built up yeah. yeah it was just as heavily tied in right um karen got a character poster and then meant nothing can we just like i don't understand why we talked about that last time i think suddenly the parents just dropped off yeah there were so many like loose ends with the mob situation 
Like, we mm-hmm. never see Powell and Callahan again. Oh, my God. Hopefully, they're alive. I never even thought about that. And I hope that Mr. Clark is alive. Moving on. But, like, it's just that we see that one glimpse of everyone at the army store. Mm-hmm. And then Jason shooting the heads off those little football dummies. And that is it. That is all we get from the mob. And it's like, why did you focus on it so much in volume one? If it wasn't really going to mean anything in volume two, because you could have kept it just being the basketball boys hunting Eddie yeah. down to give us what we needed in the end. Um, Based on the aftermath of volume two, it didn't seem like it was heading in this direction, but maybe they were just like, we don't have time to focus on it, but maybe it'll be a bigger focus in season five. I don't know. It just um, seemed kind of like pointless and annoying. But so he he has Max and then Eleven shows up and she like lifts him in the air and he's like, what the fuck is happening? And she goes, hi. I love that moment. Her her intro. Yeah. And which was very like Max and Lucas doing the high thing. Um, and then she throws him into the bleachers. And I wanted to be like, OK, get out now. Like, run. This is the perfect time. And they didn't. No, because uh, Max was too busy trying to figure out if she was real. If she was real. I love that part. Um. But Eleven got like one good swing in and that was it. Yeah. Here's something. So I'll. No, I want to wait till we're at the end to say what I was thinking. Okay. Uh, So then we transition from the snowball into like his. Vecna's mind? Yeah. Um, And he's like really done a number on Eleven, put her through some gimnastics course or something. And (laughs) like she tumbled a lot. (laughs) So he puts her up on the house. And she looks like Jesus on the cross. Fact. And he's like, I want you to. The part where he says there was a time where I thought you would be by my side. Now I just want you to watch is horrible because it was like the he is such an unforgiving character. And it's a horrible thing to do to someone. I hate that she seems to have like given up hope. And then this is where Mike's whole thing comes in where he has to like yell at her that I love you. Well, and it was just. And it's annoying because we still get Will in the middle of it telling him you're the heart. Yeah. Like not even because Mike's not really giving a speech yet. Mike's just kind of trying to talk her through it. Mm -hmm. And then Will says, Mike, you can't give up. You're the heart. And it's like. We didn't need to use Will to do that. No, we didn't. And again, Lainey and I were not underwhelmed by this speech like others were. I cried a lot, mostly because I am a big sucker for love at first sight stories. (laughs) And I do agree that it's kind of crappy of Mike to be like, my life started the day I found you in the woods. I think when I was also the day after he lost will. But I think there's a difference between being like, that was the best day of my life. And that was the day my, like that was a pinnacle moment for him. And like who he is as a person. Now his life did start that. day. I don't think he would have said that or felt that way about that day. Had he not gotten will back. I mean, I if Will had actually died or stayed gone, he wouldn't think of that day like that. I agree. And also, it's just because, like, his entire life these days, his entire life now is shaped off of meeting Eleven. And I know that, like, the catalyst for that was losing Will, so he was out in the woods looking for her. But, mm-hmm. like, if he hadn't found Eleven, none of what happens would have happened to right. them. Right. So I think that's really what he means by that. And also just the whole someone pointed out that at one point someone tells her that like she can't fly or something like that and then mike says you can fly if you wanted to i can't remember i think it's brenner says something about how she can't fly and then he's like listing all the things that she can do and he says you can fly 
I'll find it. I don't it. remember that. I'll find it. And then um, the whole you're my superhero bit, that really just got me. That was just, I, no, I don't care what people say. I like it. Um, and she's like telling Vecna that he, <laughs> first of all, this came to the point where I was like, I wonder how he feels about them calling him Vecna. Oh, yeah. Like, he was like. Why do they? Why did he start calling himself Vecna? <laughs> and then immediately went, no, that's what they call, they call him because him. of D and D. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it was oh, super funny. He doesn't know. Well, he might know, but he doesn't know. He's not walking around um, like I am Vecna. Like, although now he's probably like, Haha, I'm Vecna. Right? Because it would be hard to wear that face and identify as Henry. So. Or one. <laughs> or one. Well, you probably just wouldn't want to identify as that anyway, because that stripped him of it's his true. identity. Not that he was good, but uh, so. He, She's telling him Brenner was the monster, and she is totally right with that. I don't think she's right by telling him that he's not the monster, because... Because he is. Think of the things he did before he got there. Although she doesn't know. She didn't see that, did she? I don't think she did. What do you mean? That he killed, like, his Yeah, he shows her that. Does he? Oh. Okay, well, still, like... I thought I know you see him showing Nancy while he's telling okay. 11. And I said plans. this the lot when we were talking about that specifically, mm-hmm. I thought what he was telling 11 and showing Nancy were two different things, but we were getting the stories side by side. So we understood mm-hmm. one and Henry as a Vecna with as Vecna as a whole. And you were like, no, he's telling Eleven the story and we're just seeing it through Nancy's eyes. I just feel like Eleven didn't grasp the fact that he was a psychopath um well i think she's got a bit of a warped perception yeah i mean she did grow up in a lab but then he blames her he's like this you did this to me and it's like no no. honey no you were rotten from the fucking beginning (laughs) yeah you're a mean one you were the bad mr grinch (laughs) um and he he shows that like how he found the mind flayer and the demogorgons and stuff and then he he finally found it. And like him drawing the mind flayer on that picture was very reminiscent of Will drawing the mind flayer. Which a lot of people have pointed out is like how him and Will kind of mirror each other. Yeah. Again, this these are theories. We're going to get that and what the, the upside down are our theories we'll talk about in the next episode. Right. And so Eleven gets out far too fucking late. Fact. Which bothers me. And this brings me to my thing is that like I don't like the... Like, it's fine to show her in those moments where Lucas is holding Max, but to, like, almost focus on her sobbing as much as his kind of bothers me. That moment was for Lucas and Max. It was for Lucas. And I just feel that Eleven did not, other than the fact that she brought her back to life randomly, which I still have questions about, I don't think she did anything. She was not, this is the first time she was not the hero. And I feel like they're still acting like she was the hero. Like, she's the hero of the group. And it's like, Eleven, honestly, this season, did the least out of any of them. They all pulled their weight so fucking hard. Not that she, like, purposely didn't pull her weight. I think we're just seeing the point where they are able to catch up to her, even though she has powers. I think it's because the thing was that she had to get her powers back in order to partake in what she was supposed to be doing. Also... I don't think what she did was pointless. She distracted him for a very long time while everybody else was getting to the place they needed to be to take him down. Like if she hadn't been there to distract him at the snowball and then like kept him like telling his story before he went and killed Max, Mm -hmm. Max would have died a lot quicker. 
That's true. She would have died a lot quicker. Because I just, everybody else, no one else would have been in place to take care of what they needed to take care of. You're right. You're right. I just feel like, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to say she didn't do anything. Right. I think the point I'm is that we need to focus on everybody's everyone. doing something. They're still trying to point out Eleven as the hero. And I don't think she was, not that she wasn't a hero. I just don't think she was the hero of the season. I don't think there was a hero. Like they all, right. like Vecna's right. They lost technically. Don't say that. Um. And then we, she like brings Max back to life randomly. Which we don't understand. Okay. And we just need to talk for a minute about Lucas screaming oh God, for no, help. I don't want to talk about that. And that is all we will say on that matter. It's her begging to not die is horrible. Ooh, After admitting that she wanted to die sometimes is horrible. And then Lucas having to hold her and then just him screaming no when she is dead. It's the Erica help for me. It, it, well, yes. It's like so desperate. He doesn't know what else to do. I And we all know how I feel about acts of desperation. Love that he threw that in there. That is a very sibling thing. Like even though she's younger, like you yell for your sibling because those are like the people that are hopefully like this isn't how it is for everyone. But I know this is how it is for me you and Lindsay. Like you're the people I want to go to when I need something. Anyway. Um, and then Mara thought when the clock hit the fourth time that, that it would reset itself. Oh, so I'm laying on the floor, sobbing, wailing, crying, <laughs> reaching for the TV, just like beside myself. I don't know what to do at this point. And then the clock chimed and I went, oh my God, everybody's going to, they're going to come back. They're reversing time. I immediately went, oh, we were right. Time is being reversed and Eddie and Max are going to be fine. And then Lainey went, no, it's the fourth sacrifice. And I went, no. Yeah. And then the gate freaking opens. Here's my question. So um, I have problems with the last part of it anyway. But the gates all open and they become like fiery pits of hell. How the fuck do they get out of the upside down? Couldn't tell you. Like, I don't know a damn thing. Especially because there's no rope or anything. Nothing is there for them to get out. So how did they do it? I don't know a damn thing. I hope they explain that. I know they never will. And then we flash to two days later, which really bothers me. The fact that we don't see them getting out of the upside down. The fact that we don't see Steve or any of the teens seeing Dustin in that moment and having to help him. Like Dustin needed Steve in that moment. And Steve would have been the one to be able to get Dustin away. And Steve would have been the one that if Dustin said, I don't want to leave Eddie here, would have made sure they got him out. Um, Mara's crying again. (laughs) Um, There's the whole thing about leaving Eddie's behind. Anyway. Uh, you can continue. I'm crying. No, I know. Silence. It's this is where it became random thoughts. Yeah, I'm sorry about that one. Um, so we see the pizza party come up to the wheelers, and they're like doing donations and stuff like that. And it's like no one is phased by any of it. Dustin doesn't even see that seem that upset anymore. The California kids haven't changed their clothes in a thousand years, and, and yet they look, they look more fresh than I do, fresh out of, straight out of a shower. I don't get that one. Right, and. Karen freaks out and is like, you're never going on vacation again to Mike. And if I were Karen, I would have been so happy that my child was in California and away from what had just happened because they think it's this earthquake, an earthquake that does that. No, sorry, not a real thing. Um, and we see them all go to the hospital and Eleven clearly goes into Luke Max's mind and doesn't see anything. And it's terrible. But they make it out to be like she was the most traumatized by anything. And that is part of what bothers me is that like, well, she can't see her mind and she had to watch her die. Like, yeah, Lucas had to watch her die. And Lucas is reading Stephen King to her, which is 
an odd choice. But I like that um, Erica goes to the hospital with him. I agree. Um, I did see someone was talking about the book and the passage he was reading specifically. So the book has a similar vibe to Stranger Things. Um, these two characters go into what is their version of the upside down in the book. Mm-hmm. And I think the passage he's reading to her is like the moment of when they are rescued or like when they get out, like it's the big dramatic moment of we're saved. This is finally over. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That's, and that's we about. have at the shelter, well, the gym, because a gym is always the shelter. Also, and I, this is going to be super inconsequential. And I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but I just have to say this. I don't understand why no one told Dustin that they saw Susie. And I don't understand why we pick up with the California kids after they've left Susie's house. Like they never went to Susie's house. Because we erase everything in this show. Um, why didn't we bring Susie and Eden with us? What the fuck? And then we have Dustin talking to Eddie's uncle. Oh, no. And which is such a hard scene to watch. Again, Gaten Matarazzo does this so well. And Eddie's uncle does it very well, too. I love that Eddie's uncle never lost faith in him. I love that he replaces that missing poster. Um, a lot of people, and we'll talk about this next episode, I think it's reminiscent of Will's missing posters. Um, but the if people thought justice for Barb was a big thing, I don't think they knew what was coming. Because if we don't get justice for, for Eddie, Eddie, I will throw a shit fit. And that's not only justice for like the fact that he died because I don't think he died in the way that he should he have. should have died. But also, like if they don't clear his name, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. They need to clear his name. I need to see Mike give a fucking fuck about it. I don't want this to be a serious black situation where he has to die for us to clear his name. Also, speaking of Harry Potter, that they got to this scene and everybody walked in and there were all the cots out and everything. And my mind immediately flashed to spoilers if you haven't seen or read Harry Potter. Harry walking through everyone in the Great Hall, like lying on the beds and seeing the Weasleys huddled around Fred's dead body mm-hmm. and like Ron and George comforting each other. Ooh, that that scene pops into my mind every it's time terrible. and i immediately like it made me cry even more uh and then at the we have we take 11 to the cabin and she leaves the door open three inches which i love that touch um me too but they come back like joyce and hopper and stuff but hopper comes into Elle's room and she just goes into i knew you weren't gone and all this and it did not she never gave like any inclination have. to that. What? It didn't hit like it should have. No, it didn't. And I think it's because they never acted like she thought he was still out there. But. And it's annoying. Also, do we maybe think that because our own father is dead? No. And, okay. So for the people out there, this is going to sound really horrible and selfish of us. But after the episode ended and I had gone upstairs to lay on the floor with one of my dad's flannels and a picture of him and a stuffed animal he bought me while I cried (laughs) uh, because that's what I ended up crying over the most, obviously. I came downstairs and told Lainey, I was like, while I didn't want Hopper to die because it sucked watching her dad die, I actually hated watching Hopper come back more because there's nothing like knowing that that can't happen and then watching it happen for someone Against yeah. all odds. Ooh, buddy boys, did that fucking suck. It did. So if there's any reason why I'm depressed because of this show, it's that. I'm sure people in the same situation with really losing anyone who's a guardian or parental figure like that and watching someone come back would feel 
the same way like it sucks it's shitty and it, it would have it, it was hard enough watching him die but then to watch him come back is like a slap well, in the face and hopper is so much like dad so, okay i want to tell you hopper is a carbon copy of our father yep. other than the fact that our father was more farmer than cop cop <laughs> but not Fact. like he wasn't like a farmer in the sense that you think of like a farmer like he like bailed hay for our he, grandparents yeah like he could have definitely thrived in the city but he grew up in the country and lived there with his parents like that's just the life he chose he was also like a very techie kind of guy yes he was very very smart and into stocks he always wanted us to go to mit yeah he did get very into stocks he with w- us going to MIT. he would sit mara and i down and be like uh give read up on these companies and tell stocks. me which one to invest in i, I never just did woke that. up like i'm <laughs> a <Dad>. freshman <laughs> in high school i just woke up at 1 p.m on summer break i don't want to do this <laughs> and that that guy woke up and like friggin built, built a, a whole computer. computer out of other computer parts and mowed a lawn and had time to work out and have a full functioning breakfast with a glass of milk and then a cup of coffee and a snack all before lunch dad also used to get up at like 3 to 4 a.m well because he he's just crazy. like grandpa uh, but yes our our dad's very similar to our Hopper is very similar to our Despite dad. Despite the so fact that really I don't hard. think anything we just told you was anything like Hopper. It's not, but their personalities were very similar. Like the way they talk and express themselves. Yeah. And kind of their interests. Their demeanors. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that like dad, dad's favorite author was Stephen King, which clearly Stephen King. No. <laughs> it was just that's okay. what we decided for him <laughs> so we bought him stephen king novels every time there was a new one out he read Come to find one. out years later stephen king is not his favorite author and while i agree that he liked stephen king more than he let on because that's who he was as a person he he did tell me who his favorite author was i don't remember who oh. it was but well still he read every single one and Stranger Things is the kind of show, like immediately when the freezing it. first, when the freezing, when the first the season freezing. came out, Mar and I discussed that like we were very sad because it was just after Dad died, but it was a show that he would have loved and would have watched. I don't know if he would have loved this season. Seasons one and two were would have been right up his alley. Anyway, this podcast is not about our <laughs> dad trial. <laughs> if anybody um, wanted to know anything about our father, I felt like that. My father joined the, the circus. circus. I felt like that scene was very forced and it just made me uncomfortable. And I don't want to say it's just because of our situation because Jelena pointed it out. Yeah, Jelena well. was the one and who said something about it. Jelena has two living parents. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about more of like when they walk off and everything in the next episode. I'm sorry this one was so long. Um, but there was just a lot to get through and I guarantee you the next episode will be just as long about theories. 100%. Uh, but I got to get us off of here before Mara falls asleep <laughs> on the mic. Um, but what I want to know is I want to know what your favorite parts of this season as a whole were, but obviously specifically volume two, what choices you think they made that were good, but choices you think they made that were absolutely horrible. How you want them to correct them. You're asking Just so many questions. In general, your thoughts and opinions. I think, I of course, I want to know your thoughts and opinions because clearly we're sharing ours. But I think what I want to know going into next week is what are your theories? For next season. For next season or about things that happened this season. Right. I just want to know. But uh, thanks, guys, for listening and uh, for being here for our therapy session. Yay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>